In a world of content overload, how do you know what to consume? Who can you turn to to fill you in on the latest news and reviews? From inside their man caves, our heroes have taken the time to watch countless hours of footage from you, the faithful listeners. Our heroes, Angel, Elijah, and Jake, are ready to give you all the pieces of information they have acquired so you may arm yourselves against the onslaught of contents viewed forth from Hollywood. They're here keeping you informed. With a weekly review, and with words that are wasted, you'll be ready to face any film short that may be thrown your way. They're fighting the good fight, and are here filling you in. Get ready for the Fill Me In Podcast, starting right now. Alrighty, folks, and welcome to another episode of Film Me In. I am your host, Jake, and this is... Elijah. And Angel. Today, we're going to be talking about a whole list of things, but mainly we're going to be finishing off our trilogy saga, and boy, has it been a saga. If you still listen to our podcast, that means you're <laughs> obviously a movie lover, and we welcome you to our brood. What are they? Brood. Yeah, yeah. I like that. Sure. Brood. Speaking brood. of brooding, brood. we're gonna revisit at some point during this episode. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to hijack it from you there, but I just figured that was a good segue. 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 We had to buy this guy a segue. <laughs> so we gotta finish that off about the brooding. Oh yeah. <laughs> Speaking of brooding, we're gonna take a special look back at the. Uh, 10-year anniversary of The Dark Knight. Uh, we just rewatched it together, and we got some opinions on it. Yeah, as and summer concludes, one of the best summer blockbusters that ever came out, just only apropos, and the 10-year anniversary on top of it, so yeah. just makes sense to revisit it. Yeah, makes me miss the good old days, back when I was 13. We won't talk about that. <laughs> Alright, so, of course, as always, we're going to start out with uh, some trailers and then some uh, news. So trailers first, I'll, I'll go first since this was the hardest for me to choose one because it was a lot of the same ones that were just being repeated. Yeah, not a lot of new trailers this week, Slowly. but that makes sense. I feel like uh, yeah. it, it, we're in a slow period, there's right. not a lot of big movies coming out, not a lot of trailers dropping ahead of those. So Right, because end of summer now, like mm-hmm. all the important ones you've already seen, so you know that they're going to be coming out soon, so uh, that's why it was a little bit harder for me to choose. So I'm gonna go with uh, Slaughterhouse Rules, uh, uh, written by Crispin Mills and Henry Fitzherbert, and directed by Crispin Mills. It's starring Simon Pegg and Michael Sheen and some other people as well. Nick Frost is in it as well. Simon Pegg's butt. I don't really know what it was about, other than <laughs> it looked like a horror comedy. Yeah, yeah I mean, absolutely. So, you know, those guys like to do genre, comedy, if you will, comedy. <laughs> How many? The you know uh, Nick Frost and Simon Pegg are notorious for doing a uh, genre bending movies. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's always an, uh, a comedy element to there. I mean they've already done a horror comedy. In, yeah, um, Shaun of the Dead. Right. Yeah. But uh, this one's not by Edgar Wright, so it's a little bit different. So well, we did think right when it started playing that it could have been. But... Yeah. It looked like similar cuts to his style yeah. is why, but uh, yeah. it's it's not. Which is, uh, that's alright. I mean, they didn't need to rehash their version that's of a, a horror comedy. But Michael Sheen's in it, and I like him too. Looked alright. Looked yeah, funny. It looks like it's going to be fun. Uh, yeah. if, I'm, you know, if I'm not busy doing anything else, I'll right. probably give it a shot. Yeah, I don't know if I'll go to yeah. theaters though soon. No, probably not. Yeah, probably, uh, yeah I don't think it's going to be the next Paul. My favorite yeah. Simon Pegg. That's your favorite of them? Yep. 
Paul. That's the one with the alien, right? Yeah. Yes, it is. That's your favorite of them? Yeah, all of them. I mean, that's a pretty funny one. Yeah. I would go with Hot Fuzz. Hot Fuzz is the worst. Actually, out of the Cornetto trilogy, I think I've only seen... Paul? Sean Depp. Yeah, Paul. In the Cornetto trilogy. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Uh, (laughs) Moving on from uh, that movie, we'll go ahead. My, my, My... what are we talking about? Trailer. <laughs> My trailer is uh, Lizzie, which is a creative retelling of the Lizzie Borden story. For those of you who don't know, Lizzie Angel. Borden gave her mother 40 wax, gave her father 40 more, something, something. I don't remember the rest of the rhyme, which isn't in the movie, which kind of sucks, but whatever. Or it might be maybe like yeah, it, yeah. It, probably the end credit scene. They'll play that as creepy mm-hmm. background music. It right. uh, doesn't look so much as like a a true horror movie as much as it's like a thriller yeah. um, with like a creative like you know lesbian love subplot um, I mean I don't know a lot about it as is like other than that she killed her parents for being abusive of sorts yeah you know actually maybe there was like a true life right. yeah subplot I just don't know anything about right. it you're right it's going to be true so it was uh, directed by Craig William McNeil uh, written by Bryce Cass uh, it's got Kristen Stewart uh, you know, she's doing her mouth open, stare off into space, uh, longing look thing, which is great. That's like her claim to fame. Yeah. Chloe um, Savigny. Yep. Chloe Savigny. Thanks for pronouncing that for me. Before hey, I it. Um, <laughs> it's got, uh, uh, Jamie Sheridan, right? That's, what's his name? We'll just go with Jamie Sheridan. Yep. What's his name? I think we should make it a thing that, um, everyone That's his name. About, his name is Jamie Sheridan. All right. Well, then, person. okay. He what plays Andrew about? Gordon. Mine, I'm sorry. Anyways, everyone just laughs at me. They assume I don't know anybody's name. <laughs> it's just the way you say them yeah. with such confidence. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, it looks like a decent thriller movie. Um, and it's probably something... I probably I don't know if I'll go see it in theaters. Right. I don't know if I will either. But what I did like about it was that it did look more thriller than just drama. Oh, yeah. Plenty of tension. Yeah. Like, like I thought, you know, that story would be just more drama. Like... What led up to this? Like, how much abuse could she take? You know, obviously, you know everybody has a line, and yeah. But it looked more thrilling, and I don't know if that's just the trailer that they released, or if that's the story that they're going for. As Eli alluded to earlier, I did not know the Lizzie Borden uh, story of what happened, um, but it looks like uh, now knowing what I know that they're taking sort of like a. So back this up, em- Lizzie Borden's house. Since you don't know anything, is actually a place you can go stay. Um, it's regarded as one of the most haunted sites in America. You can, you can actually go stay the night in Lizzie Borden's house. Okay. Yeah, you'd like to. Who gets the money haunted. if she went to jail? Right? No Did idea. she go to jail? I and her it. parents are dead? This is a long time yeah. ago. No She's dead too. <laughs> <laughs> this whole thing is happened you know, a couple of years ago. <laughs> oh, God. It looks like they're taking like a real like empathetic, not empathetic, but like, like you don't know the whole story of like, like, kind of trying to justify why she would kill her parents. Did she go to jail? I don't know the whole story. This is why I don't know what the context they're attacking it in. Yeah. Yeah, so, like, I don't know. It, it, see, that part of it seems interesting to me, trying to, like, justify why she would do, what would drive her to do what she ended up doing. Right. Which is whacking them 40 times. Is that, like, an actual thing? That's like an actual nursery rhyme, yeah. Yeah. Oh, but did she actually whack them 40 well, times? I think that might be an exaggeration, but she chopped up her parents. That's right. Like, oh, she killed it. Yeah. Oh. It's not that she just killed like killed them. She like chopped them up. Yeah, we'll see. Some gruesome stuff going on. Yeah, this real story is uh, getting me more into it than the trailer did. A little bit. 
I like it. I should probably brush up on my history. What's your trailer? Uh, my trailer is The Green Book. Uh, it's a new trailer that just dropped yesterday or today uh, with Mahershala Ali from Moonlight and uh, season one of Luke Cage and Viggo Mortensen from uh, Lord of the Rings fame. Oh, uh, no, I was going to say... Uh, a History of Violence? Yeah. It's a great movie. Yeah. I saw that one, Jake. Good for you. Yeah. Good for you. I'm glad. <laughs> Someone had to drag me to see it, but whatever. So Didn't this see the trailer, though. This trailer looks really good. I, it's weird seeing Viggo Mortensen play this kind of role. He's kind of like a dumb, dumber guy. He's like the muscle, like yeah. this Italian mm -hmm. kind of like Rocky type muscle, um, and he's played uh, being a security guard for this pianist in 1962, um, and they have to deal with uh, the consequences of being black in the South in 1962. And, going to play concerts and you know all the you know usual drama that ensues but it looks like a real a different spin on it like a real well, it's a true trip. story too which yeah is, uh, which is you know uh, makes it a little more interesting mm -hmm. not just a, a story that somebody created but this actually happened yeah obviously i'm sure they took uh, license on what exactly happened but yeah uh i agree it's it's a different take on a road trip yes because usually we see buddy road trip movies as like comedies this doesn't look so much that in that vein it looks like yeah. there's lighter moments the dramatic stuff looks like it's gonna be pretty good especially if, I don't know, that one scene where they're yelling at each other in the rain I listen if a trailer has people yelling at each other passionately right. it's usually gonna get me mm -hmm. so as long as they yeah. sell it well I agree I, uh, I think it looked good I like both the, the lead actors Again, I, I'm not sure if any of these I'm going to be rushing to the theater for, Yeah. but I will definitely be watching them. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know if they will necessarily make me run to the theater to watch, but I'm definitely interested in seeing them at least. Yourself, Jake? Uh, it looks pretty interesting. I want to probably not go and see it in theaters, but I also mm -hmm. get up and watch it at home. All right. Well, so for the trailer drops, it looks like nothing... Um, Earth shattering, right? Yeah. And nothing that we haven't seen right now at this point, uh, or no new trailers that we um, have been really knocked out of the park. Uh, but that's all right. You know, they're still they're still making them, and we'll still see movies. I hope so. All right, so uh, those are the trailers. Now we're gonna move into some news. Uh, in, uh, in news, uh, it turns out that Lizzie's mother was hit eighteen times. <laughs> Down in the back of the head with a hatchet. I was wondering what you were doing over there. Um, <laughs> and she apparently laughed. She was tried and acquitted of the murders. That's why it was such a crazy oh. thing. Mm -hmm. And it's in Fall River, Massachusetts. So hey. if I'm that far away, you can go sleep hey. there. And like, maybe that's what we'll Fall do for the podcast. We'll that's like go sleep at Lizzie Borden's house. Right? That'd be good. Yeah. We'll yeah. Podcasting yeah. live from. Yeah. Live from Lizzie Borden's house. Right. And they're going to go inside. And I'm going to go somewhere else. <laughs> You're going to not be there. <laughs> So, in uh, entertainment news, I didn't bring these up to you guys earlier, but, uh, well, actually, we talked about one. We'll get to that one in a second. Um, the first one is Chris Hardwick being back in at Nerdist and um, back on TV again with, you know, the um, Talking Daddy appeared in the past Sunday. And, you know, he was out with the yep. uh, sexual... Assault claims or from his ex. Yeah, from his ex. But um, 
Now he's back and working again. It looks like he's been restored on the Nerdist site as creator of it, and he's back working for Talking Dead, like I said. And I guess they found no evidence? Yeah, I guess they did an investigation and nothing came up, which, you know, I think it's reassuring that these outlets would, you know, be willing to, like, yeah, shun him until you really, really, really know what's going on and right. then, you know, have the confidence to bring someone back. Uh, I don't think Disney's going to take a page out of that book with the James Gunn thing, but uh, it's nice to see that some companies do because, you know, if he didn't do anything wrong, he, you know, drag somebody's name through the mud, it's good to see he's at least getting a chance to, uh, you know, clean it up. I agree with that. Um, yeah, it'll be nice to see with the overall, uh, I mean, I think we're happy, but I, it'll nice Nice to see what the overall welcome is back. Mm. Um, but I think it's a good thing. Yeah, and he's good at what he does. Yeah. Right. I haven't actually watched Talking Dead from this week yet. I'm, I'm a little behind in my Fear of the Walking Deads. I, I, I heard that he had a, a moment where he was really tearing up about it, and you know, because mm. he addressed it, obviously. And I'm interested to see what he has to say about it. And... These whole situations are such a catch-22, because if he did do something, then it sucks. Yeah. And you want to believe the victim, but sometimes the victim was a victim of something else, and therefore was just looking for a reason. Yeah. And we may never actually know the story, and that's... The real story. Right. We just know what what he said, she said, and that becomes difficult. And um, apparently, whatever investigation that did take place said that he obviously was cleared enough to work again. So mm-hmm. that's good in that aspect. It's a tough situation. So yeah, absolutely, yeah, it will be interesting to see if uh, like he comes back and there's so many there because you know there's people that are right. going to be outraged mm-hmm. and if that like. You know, the ratings start dipping on stuff. At the end of the day, that's the numbers that they really yeah, care about. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he might, you know, be out the door again if it becomes too controversial. But at least they're giving him a shot. And and, and uh, he also signed on for to be a judge on uh, a guest judge on uh, the coming up season of America's Got Talent. Oh, really? Which is big because it's NBC. Which he's oh yeah, he got put back on the wall as well. Mm-hmm. Which is you know NBC, which is obviously a giant corporation. Yeah. We'll see. Yeah. Um, and then the other quick news, uh, Angel and I were discussing this earlier, and um, you were talking about it a little bit, the the new category for yep. the Oscars, popular. <laughs> the so, prom king. We discovered, we discovered while uh, we were talking about this that I don't really like awards ceremonies. Mm-hmm. Give me my opinion. The Oscars are garbage. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think that they're garbage. I just think that uh, they they don't measure the true merit of a movie or yeah. movies in general. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're not something that I, I follow extremely closely, but I still take the time to figure out, you know, see who won what. And, you know, normally I tune in at least for a little bit. A lot of times I end up working on Oscar night and I'm watching it at the bar. Right. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a hell of a long show and they said they're going to pare it down to three hours they said yeah. it all the time yeah. but anyway the point is the new category is very interesting I don't know if it's going to work or if it's the worst idea ever yeah. or if it's a good idea um, I haven't decided and Angel and I were discussing that I think it's good for some movies to, to be recognized in as um, winners and, and this goes along with you know what we're getting into the Dark Knight because that's mm. when they expanded to up to 10 
Best Picture nominees. But now, where would a movie like that fall? Yeah. Would that fall as a Best Picture, or would they just simply say, well, that's a popular movie now, and does that demean that as a movie? Yeah, I wonder if they're going to have like a, any sort of set benchmark. Like, if your movie makes over right. $700 million in the box office, it can't be nominated for Best Picture. <laughs> right. And Only popular. Right. That's and now, who decides? Does, does that mean it's not as good as a Best Picture movie? It's not, it's no. not quite worthy to be a Best Picture. I, just, I understand that. And, like, I, I don't think that this move is going to take away value from, like, you know, the three main, you know, the three main are obviously Best Picture, Best Actor, Best Actress. Yeah. So, I don't think it's going to take away from that, but it might hurt somebody's chances of having a shot at one of those. Well, also, like I was stating, the long term effect could be the best popular category becomes the best picture category and the smaller independent movies that are typically the best picture are now going to be still best picture but not looked at yeah. as much because now the best popular category is the one that people really want to see yeah. and discuss. And I think that, I don't know, maybe because I'm such a purist, I think that would I wouldn't be okay with that shift in the Oscars if that were to end up happening. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, I think, you know, Best Picture should be the best picture. Right. There shouldn't be any caveats about, like, you know, box office or how many people saw. I do, but there, see, it's a two-sided thing. Because right. like, I could see it as, like, a Mission Impossible movie is never going to be nominated for Best Picture. Nor should it, I think. But those movies are very good. The last three that have come out have all been very good. And I think... If there's a separate category, maybe it's just the name, most popular movie, but like, I, that that's something that we're a Mission Impossible movie. But like you said, you said nor should it, which is only a statement because that's where the history of it lies. Mm. The history of it lies that it shouldn't be nominated, and that's not necessarily okay. <laughs> so really what we're talking about here is... Does a movie's popularity, should a movie's popularity draw it away from being a best picture? Or is, are we coming to a different time where, you know, maybe the Academy needs to think about what constitutes a best, best picture movie? There's some great movies with great cinematography, with great acting that don't fall into the norms of what's a, a best picture, you know, quote, I'm in quotations, because they have, they kind of have their ideals of what a best picture movie is right and typically it's not blockbuster fair that is considered a a best picture i mean every once in a while it happens like titanic Mm. and um you know the lord of the rings return of the king don't get recognized and now being put into a specific category designated for them is a good idea but I think say it's not good enough to be a best picture. No, I think that we'll have to see. Like, I may, you know, they're not going to necessarily be mutually exclusive. Like, it doesn't necessarily just because you get a most popular nom doesn't mean you're not going to get a best picture nomination mm-hmm. or win best. Picture. Well, no, right, right. exactly. Maybe which maybe you win both. Right. But it's going to be an interesting uh, thing to watch. But will will the but voters? I think that it's kind of a cop out. So I think it's kind of a cop out category. Which I think what you're getting to is yeah. that they're going to use it as a as a cop out to not give something a best picture nom, but be like, oh, but you got most. Because you're going to look at those movies that are like, say, for instance, uh, Black Panther. Mm. They're going to be people who are like, yeah, it's a great movie, but that shouldn't be best picture. But I, I'm okay putting it as best popular yeah. movie. Mm. 
despite it being a, a, a really great movie. Yeah. So I think also what we were talking about of the Oscars when they changed the rules to incorporate ten, they made it like almost impossible to fit a whole ten. I'd be we'd be more okay, mm-hmm. or I'd be more okay if they just set it at a hard ten because like there's hundreds of movies that get made uh, right. a year, and I think cutting it down to ten is still you know you know the best of the best. I don't think you're getting much fat in that trim. I don't know. I think maybe with ten, I think we see Logan for sure nominated. I think we see Dark Knight for sure nominated. I think we see Black Panther nominated if it's set at ten, and mm-hmm. it doesn't have to be any like crazy math to get a ninth and tenth movie in there. Well, it's not crazy math. It's you know how much you want to pander to the Academy. Yeah, and I also think it's counterintuitive to what the Oscars have been doing because ever since we were talking earlier, the Oscars so white thing. Uh, every year since they've been just hard injecting a whole bunch of diversity in the Academy voting members. And I think before you even give them a chance to see if, you know, adding diversity changes the caliber of movies that get uh, nominated, you are giving them a cop-out category that, you know, then the best picture category uh, nominees will look the same every year. There's not going to be any force pushing for that change. Mm -hmm. So... I don't know. It's but also, maybe we're wrong. Yeah, we could be. Maybe Absolutely. They, maybe the Academy's right, and they got it down, and we're just silly. <laughs> right. I mean, we'll see. I mean, time will tell. That's what the outlook appears to be right now. It appears to be more of a... From this point of view. Yeah. Cop-out. Cop-out category. Yeah. I'll coin that. But is that it for news? Yeah. Yeah. That's, 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 all right. so, uh, that's our news for this week. Uh, now that it's on to the final installment of the trilogies. Uh, we're gonna review our third act and uh, figure out which movie trilogy uh, came out on top. Absolutely, which was the best. It's the uh, Planet of the Apes. False. So not even close. The uh, we will uh, see you guys then, uh, on the other hours. side. No, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you on the other side. So time to go over Return of the Jedi, which is the finale of the Star Wars trilogy original. Uh, directed by Rich Marquand, written by Lawrence Kasdan and George Lucas. So, we're going to dive right in. Yep. Uh, the beginning of this movie is extraordinary. Yep. Uh, again, Jabba equals gross. Mm-hmm. Uh, right away, everything he does is just vile and filthy. and He's just one of those nasty characters that, yep. you, that you love to watch, even though he's a disgusting... Yeah, we're movie. starting off after this... Uh, you know, Han gets frozen and sent to Jabba via Boba Fett, who is uh, Boba Fett. Oh, he equals useless. Okay, so yeah, so he gets uh, shipped over to Jabba, and now we have this plan to kind of try to rescue him, uh, which is gonna fall glori- gloriously bad. I mean, we're gonna unfreeze him, which is good, right? Which they do pretty quickly in the movie, which yeah. is which is also I think good um, because you really need that character. Yeah, you really need Han. I mean, Frozen Han just doesn't sit well on the screen, you know? No. Mm-hmm. On Jabba's wall he does, according to Jabba, <laughs> but not not for us watching. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so Jabba's just a disgusting mob boss. You know, we have great characters in, in the Jabba Palace. Uh, those guards are, like, hideous creatures. The singing, the dancing, it's all fun, and... You can see it's all a party because when when Han is rescued, they're all just passed out. Yeah, it is like mm, party went a little, <laughs> a little too yeah, long, huh? Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, Luke's entrance, mm. which is 
Cool. Epic. Yeah. Epic. The new Luke, the, the new it's clothes, stoic. new lightsaber. Uh, uh, Luke's graduated to big boy, uh, big boy everything, yeah. um, and he looks intimidating. Right, and, well, and, and he walks in and instantly you know, chokes out the guards and... Uh, Jabba's right hand man, I forget his name. Oh. Slime of Worm Tongue, I believe. Yeah. Name. Comes right up to him, and then, oh, Jabba, and Oba, oh, you'll take me to Jabba. <laughs> and you just see the flashback, too, you know, Obi Wan using the, the old Jedi mind trick. You know. the droids you're looking for. Yeah. Exactly. So you know that Luke's developed. He yeah. has, he's gotten uh, some chops, you know. And he's come a long way from that whiny little brat on, on Tatooine back to Tatooine as a Jedi who. Mm-hmm. Really knows what he's doing, even though you know Han is still worried that he's just the old Luke who's gonna get into trouble anyway. Yeah. He says it. He's like Luke. How's Luke gonna say this? I forget <laughs> the exact line. Uh, and then so he comes in, and then plan still goes awry. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, he tries to use the mind trick on Jabba, and Jabba's like, I'm not having it. So he kind of gets a little bit slapped into his place, thrown mm-hmm. down in the rancor pit. Um, but even then, I mean. He still shows he's got whatever. Right. You know, Defeats the Rancor. Yeah. And I believe there's a whole story about the guy who owned the Rancor. Yeah, I don't know anything about that. Yeah, it's funny. I believe there's a whole story about about yeah. him. Uh, the Keeper? Yeah. yeah like, and how you know, he raised him since he was a child. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like a little bitty Rancor. <laughs> little, he was little baby that would have been a fun scene to put in there. That could have filmed, <laughs> that could have filled time a little bit better than the, yeah, than the, the second act, yeah. which we'll get to in a minute. Yeah, uh, funny if you see him like he's like he's like feeding the rancor. He's like rancor's purr, and he's like itching behind his little ear hole. Come on, rawr, rawr. Uh, play fetch for probably forty five minutes. <laughs> Could have been better. I don't know. Uh, so so eventually they do figure out the plan. Boba Fett gets t- <laughs> knocked into the Sarlacc pit by a, gets by a blind uh, by a blind man. I blind uh, Han Solo, uh, who shoots at um, <laughs> Sarlacc. No, just a little higher. Just a little higher. I can see. I got it. Uh, but again, as you were mentioning, um, seeing Luke's full powers, you know, you know, the lightsaber coming to him, jumping from and it, the that ship. That is a green lightsaber. Which yeah. Is just yeah. like it's a Jedi Knight. Yeah. It's a, or Master. Jedi Master, Jedi Master no. Uh, you know, climbing up the side of Jabba's floating palace, and you know, just taking care, taking everybody out up there, having mm-hmm. Leia destroy the the floating palace itself. And I think it's great that Leia is the one that kills uh, Jabba, Jabba yeah. you know what I mean, with the chains. Yeah, it's so good. Feminism like yep. right there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. some girl power Right, Me Absolutely. Too movement before the Me Too movement because mm-hmm. yeah. that was Harvey Weinstein playing. <laughs> We didn't know, but you know now. <laughs> uh, um, then we get to the throne room. No, no. We, so first he goes to Dagobah. Yes. Oh, right. yeah. So yeah, Luke is going to travel back to Dagobah. Right. So so the reason that um, they had to go back and uh, get that information from Yoda is because they, the person who told Luke about it is the bad guy. So mm-hmm. for kids, they're not going to believe the, the bad guy. <laughs> uh, so they talked to a child psychologist and he said that in order for, you know, especially children to believe that what Darth Vader said was uh, not a lie, mm-hmm. was to have a character that's really trusted tell Luke that yes. So in this case, it was uh, Yoda who reiterates to him that yes, indeed, Darth Vader was his father. Which is great, you know. Yeah. And then he reveals to him that he has a, a sister. 
He takes it a lot better than he took it the first time he heard it. Yeah. Well, I mean, he's a master now. So, you know, that's that's the other thing. Like, he's come he's come a long way. He's kind of mastered his emotions in that in that regard. But mm-hmm. I, f- I feel like there's definitely some um, pain and resentment there from Obi-Wan lying to him. And, and then again, like, Yoda withholding the truth. Um, yeah. And it's and, interesting, you know, how do you trust those people? Right, because those are the ones who are supposed to be the ones who tell you the truth, not the bad guys. And it's the Siths always tell the truth, mm-hmm. whereas, you know, the, the ones Jedi Masters apparently don't. Right, they're trying to protect peace. Mm-hmm. So, you know, because, again, they think, you know, the anger will lead to the hatred, and hate leads to suffering, and suffering leads to the dark side. So, try to avoid that, but um, at some point, you got to tell them the truth, too. Mm-hmm. So, and they can't just say, from a certain point of view, as, uh, as he <laughs> so well says. Yeah. Um, but anyway. Truth is in the eye of the beholder, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. I thought that was beauty. Um, oh, yeah. So, <laughs> so we, <laughs> we learned that Luke... As a as a twin sister. He's got more than one hand. Would it? He's got more than one eye. Cheers. There you go. <laughs> That's good. Uh, That's good. So Luke has a twin sister we learned, and that twin sister is Leia, which we will get to in a little bit because we have to get into oh. Act exactly. Two. Act Two. Um okay. so the part where the movie I think suffers from just Ewok overload. For commercialism. Yeah. And yeah, it's a great commercial advertisement for Ewok toys. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. The movie kind of sits still there for a little while. Um, yeah, Act 2 equals one. Boo, Act 3 equals Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 Uh, I think that makes us like Act 3 a whole lot more because we finally get to right. the good part. But, mm-hmm. I mean, it's I don't, it's really tough. I mean, that, that whole thing down on... Uh, with the Ewoks where they capture C-3PO and he's this magical god and they have to escape and they have to tell the story of Darth Vader and like get these Ewoks to fight for them. Mm-hmm. While it's cool that it's like the first time they have an alien race like lar- you know, larger than one or two of them fighting with the re- rebels mm-hmm. it is very cool. Um, but Just did it have to be Ewoks? Yeah, yeah Ewoks. Any other race. Uh, and, right? <laughs> uh, Alright, so we can't gloss over a couple like the speeder chasing on yep. Andor cool. is, is really great. It's a lot of fun. Yep. So, you know, at least there's that in Act 2. And the Ewoks are hilarious and cute. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. They are hilarious. They, they are. are cute. And, you know, like we talked about when you were a kid. That's awesome. Return of the Jedi was my favorite yeah, as a kid. Mine as well. Right. Because, you know, I guess it probably had a lot to do with the Ewoks. You know, furry little cute creatures. Well, I think that part of the movie fight. is probably a whole hell of a lot more entertaining when I was... Nine or ten. Right. Or whatever, like, well, it's a little furry ball. Like, yeah. <laughs> it's fighting. And, like, they're all mischievous. And, yeah. You know. And it leads into, the like, the maybe the thought of, like, like because you're so enamored when you're younger in this world of, like, mm. yeah, I could, ha- I could help Luke. Right. I could help Luke Skywalker yeah. defeat the Empire. Yeah, anybody can. <laughs> yeah. Like, look, look, little Ewoks can do it. Yeah, yeah. So. Yeah. And they, they did help, like. They yeah, helped. They did like, their job. You give it to them. They, you know, some of those, some of those. They, well, well, it was the shield they were trying to take down, right? Yeah, yeah, shield the shield generator. But all right, so enough about Ewoks. But uh, the truth of it is, we just needed that to propel us into uh, Darth Vader coming down to get Luke. Right. Uh, but after Luke has already had a conversation with Leia, which is a very important conversation about being uh, sister and brother. And, um, Father has it, I have it, you have it too, right? Yeah. 
Yeah, my, um, yeah. I have it. My father has it. And my sister has it. And he looks at her, and somehow I've always known. The force gets awakened in her. So now it does, which will lead into, <laughs> which will lead into uh, why then holding it. Well, I have I have note now about holding things in so they can't be used against you, which is exactly what Luke has to do. So when Luke, you know, meets up with Darth Vader. You know, Darth is like, you, you're an actual Jedi. You created a lightsaber, which is great. Right. And, you know, sees how how much more uh, powerful Luke has become, which obviously he wants to use for himself because he wants yeah, to absolutely. team up with him. But, There's uh, no doubt that his plan is to overthrow the Emperor yeah. and get Luke on the dark side with him. Right. Which I would have been okay if that's where the movie ended. If he did end up turning. That's cool. That would have been... Quite a different movie. Yeah. That would have been interesting. Yeah. yeah. Okay, Luke Skywalker turns bad, they kill the Emperor, and then they destroy the Rebel fleet. <laughs> <laughs> like, Death Star just takes out everything. <laughs> the last thing you see is like Han and Leia holding hands is like their plan- the moon gets incinerated. Yeah. <laughs> like, 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 well, here goes Endor. Well, that's so much for those Ewoks. Yeah. Luke is that's what that Luke was just really pissed. That's why he joined him. He's like, oh, we had to go down there. There's Ewoks fighting. I couldn't yeah, take it anymore. Cooking. I'm on your team uh, now. <laughs> Let's get rid of all the Ewoks. <laughs> uh, that would have been a totally different movie. Uh, but, so, it's just, at, at some point, you know, Luke, he realizes that he, he can't, he can't, he has to fight his father. Yeah. But he can't tell his father about his sister. So, then, you know, he starts, when he meets the Emperor... You know, the Emperor's well, wiping out there's, everybody. There's the point where he like makes it abundantly clear to his father that he won't strike him down. Like he's not gonna, mm. he's not gonna hit him. I, I think it's very, or he's not gonna, he's yeah. not gonna kill his own father. But I think it's very important that he holds on to that. But it, for a second, it almost feels like he's not going to because he kind of gives in a little bit. Well, so so when he meets the Emperor, right? Mm. There's that moment where you see the Anakin in him come out. Where you know he's seeing the rebels all being shot out there, mm-hmm. you know, like they're, they're literally fighting, and you know, Ember just keeps basically poking it yeah. into him, saying, well, "He's rubbing it in his face, like they're all, all those people are gonna die." And, and I know about your friends down on the moon. And he's like, "I can feel your anger." Either. He's like, "Just pick up the lightsaber, strike me down, right. Right. and do it." Right. <laughs> it, right, and for Luke to even hold out for as long as he did was, you know, impressive. The mm-hmm. fact that you know. I don't know if I would have been able to. Like, yeah. I, I mean, the Emperor, I mean, Emperor plays, is played out excellent in that movie. Yeah. I mean, you really get to meet him for like the first time and he plays it out. I mean, the dude's evil. Yeah. yeah. And an instigator. Oh, yeah. 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 Right. Just pure <laughs> evil. And you think Darth Vader's evil, but yeah. you meet the Emperor and you're like, well, I don't know. Right. Messed up face. Right. He just, yeah. Right. I, I do have written in here, uh, for you, Jake, um, the Emperor is like Snoke. He is. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And he dies, too. He does. 
Yeah, just like Snoke. Uh, yeah, but he has more backstory. Really? Yeah. How do you know his backstory? I guess I watched another whole set. Oh, <laughs> yeah. That's See, what it is. You watch yeah. prequels. Oh. I have a whole other set of movies that are coming Oh, oh that's okay. Are those coming? Am I going to get those? Hey, I can't tell you no. <laughs> Hope so. I didn't know now. the prequels were ever going to come. <laughs> for now. So, I'm just so I'm just 10, saying. 10, 11, 12 just, is going to be a prequel? Had to tell you that. <sighs> no, I understand that they play the same role, but regardless, you, I mean, right now... Snoke is like nothing, nothing. right? Because know anything about because yeah, matter. maybe the Emperor eventually was nothing, but I mean, yeah, because it wasn't about like, the Emperor. He, but the Emperor, but the Emperor becomes so you understand, you know his whole backstory after you watch the other movies. Yeah, so but so any. now put it down into one movie. Put it down into the Return of the Jedi. And you don't know the Emperor other than he's the one who's holding. Right. He gets one up on Snoke because he gets the Force lightning. Done. It's great. True. Great. That's fine. He can he have. He can have. He doesn't go out with six a trick up. either. Mm-hmm. No, and that, he like chops down. Well, and he like starts to chop tri- down. Well, we can't. Uh, we're not going to get into that. Yeah. But but the the point is, if you put them both in the same, in, in their stories, they have the same amount to do. Yeah. Mm. And they're basically mirroring each other. The story is they have created somebody who they control, and that person then turns on them. Yeah. That's mm. the same. Yeah. Mm. It's similar. <laughs> it's the same. Rhy- they just yeah, do Star different Wars things. Rhymes. Mm. Right. Exactly. Yeah, they're close. Yeah. I mean, when you break it down, like, very simplistically, sure. But there's more to it. I mean, like, when Vader turns on the Emperor, it's because the Emperor's going to kill his son. And mm. it's not really that same Right, thing. but so Between, what does Vader want? He wants to rule the galaxy of the sun. Right. What does Kylo Ren want? He wants to rule. He, he's a nihilist. He he, but he wants to rule with who? Right. right, so he wants to rule with somebody yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. There's an actual, same thing. actual right. familial, anyway, so no, an actual familial bond there, yeah. blood ties. Sure, and, yeah. You know, okay. And we know the Emperor's whole sure. backstory. Sure. Snoke, we I, don't know I'm the Emperor's whole backstory. I don't think that Snoke is useless. I was frustrated because we don't know any. We don't know his backstory. We don't know right, you didn't know his backstory when you saw Return of the Jedi either. You had to wait years until you got his backstory. Yeah, and I probably didn't like the Emperor back then either. Sure you didn't, Return of Jedi is your favorite movie. The Emperor is my favorite Well, yeah, when I was a kid, I'm just saying. It was was yours, too. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) Got your blood boiling yet, Jake? No. All right, I just had to do it. Uh, The uh, Emperor is... <laughs> Just because you know his backstory. Yeah. Anyway, if you knew Snoke's backstory, maybe you'd love him. I might, and maybe right. I will. Exactly. Maybe yeah. you will. So I just want you to some someday. Just want you to. Know. I'm still open to love. I'm still open to love with Snoke. You can hate him. I don't care. I'm just yeah. just want to point out parallels to you. Just want to point out parallels to you. Anyway, all right. So <laughs> I think the way that the emperor just eases so, and prods Luke yeah. uh, is brilliant. Right. And then you, so when they start to have that epic. Even just the throne room in, room in general, like the window, it's facing out. Right. Mm-hmm. So you can so see the, the everything sh- that's happening. It's just very good. And then, so when Luke finally does take the lightsaber to, to kill, like, you know, he starts with, with some rage mm-hmm. and then, you know, he's, you know, he falls at one point and you see the, um, him trying to hide because he doesn't want to fight anymore. Mm-hmm. But uh, when when he can't hold in the fact that Leia is his sister any longer, and Darth Vader actually learns it, that's when Luke almost loses it yeah. for real, and he almost does join the dark side. And you know when he starts beating Darth Vader down, that's pretty. Yeah. That's pretty like 
hard to watch in that way because you're like, wow, this is like he's really doing what what the emperor wants him to do, which is bad but good at the same time. Right. Like story wise, it makes it amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I think the emperor's plan is for him to mm-hmm. uh, strike down Vader and become his second. Right. So he wants because he, you know, I mean, and Vader's plan for him to strike down. They're yeah, just using Luke as a pawn. Pawn. It's a total game for them. Total line. I think this whole scene encompasses the like eternal struggle of a Jedi, which is mm-hmm. like always having to deal with you can't fall into the dark side. There's right. always going to be temptation, but this is just like the like climax of that. Like they do it, you know, throughout their time as right. Jedi, but. This is like just an encapsulated version of the eternal struggle of a Jedi. Yeah, and it's yeah. and it's the the ultimate moment of good versus evil. Yeah. Like like and not just um you know, like I'm good, you're evil, but I'm good and evil. Mm-hmm. Because that's what uh Darth Vader is. He's good and evil. Even if the you know, the good has escaped him mostly, yeah. there's always still that it's the yin and yang. Even if he had uh, kept lo- losing it and if he did strike down Vader or, or the Emperor like I think he still might have he still had a chance to like still be good after that right, you know yeah. what I mean he just right. would have altered I think the moments afterwards when uh, when he's uh, talking to his dad like yeah that father son moment is so dynamic um, but we gotta talk about Lando you know the, <laughs> leading that mission too and then of course the rebel in the Ewok fight which was great when you know like Chewbacca finally started riding in the, yeah. <laughs> in the thing with the Ewoks. Yeah, and then when they're like, so they were helpful like when they're doing the logs and things. Yeah, mm-hmm. absolutely. Mm-hmm. Right, but they have um, the little traps and everything. Yeah, and then um, Admiral Akbar, it's a trap line. Yep. You know? it's, a trap. it's a trap. Again, just so many classic lines yep. that just are peppered throughout this movie. Relevance, like we still use these things, like the fact that they used. Uh, I got a bad feeling about this so often, yeah. it, but it never, it never got old. Like, no, you were okay with it every time, and you were like, mm-hmm. you knew it was coming, so you would say it along with them. But, uh, you know, Lando, don't get a scratch on the, the <laughs> Falcon. But he did. Yeah. Well, he just knocked off the. And then knowing that it's his ship, yeah, and knocked off the satellite. He gets reunited with with uh, L three, L five, L ten, L three. L three, L five, L five. It's L five. Yeah, L five, L five. What's her name? It's not L three. I think it's L three. I think it's L three. I will Google it later. It's funny. I think I knew it before I made that joke, and now I don't know. Yeah, no, we're not. That's right. That's not L ten. Yeah, that's L two hundred twenty. L three. There you go. I don't know. Like the ending of this movie was just so like great, and and I know we were talking earlier about. The addition of, uh, you know, like Jabba in mm-hmm. in the uh, first one. Yeah. But the the ending after. All right. So well, hold on, we'll talk about the father son moment. How that was perfect. Like the so they blow up the perfect. new Death Star. All right. Yeah. So so what happens is Vader makes essentially the ultimate sacrifice. Yeah. Poem throwing the, uh, the Emperor down the hole. The Emperor is just laying in the loop. He's uh, he's watching, and and that's like yeah. what was so beautiful about it. Like you see, even though you can't see. The actor playing Darth Vader's face right. at all, like you see, like the, he's looking back and forth, and you just you know that he's having this struggle of like, can I actually allow this guy to to kill my yeah. son? Mm-hmm. It's like I just like really found him, and I know I want to team up with him and kill you 
can I can I just watch him right. kill you? And it's also like you know, like that his son is representative of pretty much the only good part of Vader. Right. So That's watching the Emperor kill that last good mm-hmm. part of him is going to turn him into a complete and utter evil. Right. Because I mean, we know that one of Darth Vader's biggest fears was losing people. Mm. So I mean, we know that because of the prequels. But right. but I mean, it's just. You see that here, like he doesn't want to lose Luke at all. So he's willing to make that sacrifice and kill the Emperor, even though, you know, that's his you know, I don't know, like mentor, whatever you want to call it. And even though knowing it's going to kill him too. Yeah. And, and that when he does, you know, take off his mask and he's like, but you'll die and nothing can stop that now. It's just yeah. such a great moment. Like, I want to look at you with my own eyes. Yeah, that no, no, yeah. was pretty dope. Yeah. <clears throat> I think, uh, like, I know we're not supposed to bring our knowledge of the prequels, mm-hmm. but I do love the, because I, I do think that by this point, he had a rough outline of what he think he wanted mm-hmm. for the prequels, and, like, that the fact that technically the prophecy was true, and, like, that was a big thing at the prequels, right. like, what if we read the prophecy wrong, whatever, but, like, technically, it was Anakin that right, brought balance to the, the force. force, yeah. Yeah. So, like, that was that whole space battle was great too, um, but you know, that yeah, flying the ship through the yeah. through the center of the Death Stars, that, that's that was sick. Yeah, and, and then and you just kept seeing how the technology was getting, mm-hmm. getting better and better because you know they couldn't have done that. It was obviously in the first one when they're driving through the Death Star, it's so much different yeah. than when they're driving through the Death Star in the last one. Oh yeah, absolutely. <laughs> like you're like, oh, this is real Death Star. And then the first one, you're like, this is a model. <laughs> Oh, yeah. 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 You can see George Lucas with his But by the time you get to that one, you're like, yeah. wow. But even though, like, even in the final movie, like the te- like the technology of uh, how they film the lightsabers and stuff is better. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and then, so uh, what I was gonna say. So now that that ending has happened. When they did the re-release and they are re-edited them, whatever, and added all those amazing celebration scenes at the end and throughout the galaxy, yeah. I really liked that addition because you got a chance to see how all these yeah. oppressed people. Yeah, I enjoyed that. About it. I was like, how I was like, I appreciate was. that ending or that addition to it. Um, now you are okay with the Hayden Christensen? I am. I am because I. Look at it from the point of also I don't have the same nostalgia mm-hmm. of like seeing uh, what's his name? What was the guy's name? Sebastian Stan. Wait, what do you say? No, the the guy who played Vader, the body. Oh, well, David Prowse. Yes. So like seeing him, I don't really have that. Connection. But it would have been but Sebastian Stan as well. Sebastian Stan's the one who played Darth Vader without the helmet. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. yeah he plays. It. See, when you said Sebastian Stan, I thought Bucky. <laughs> That's oh, I was like, you're right. Sorry, <laughs> Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, right, okay. Sebastian Shaw. There we go. Um, but yeah, I I don't have a problem with it because I like to think of it as the force. Go- There's certain powers that are dark side and light side. Mm. You know, right. He's going back to when think, he was on the light side. Yes, right, and I think right. the force ghost is a light side power. The lightning is a dark side power. So when it makes sense that the last time he was on the dark light side, he looked like that. Right, yeah. So. That's that's exactly what I think, too. I'm like, I don't know if I love it or hate it. I'm on the fence, and I don't know if I'll ever really decide. Mm-hmm. But I, I agree. It's just because 
we're seeing him the last time he was good. That's yeah. not why I thought they did it. They did, because they did it because that, that new scene, that new remaster scene and all that yeah, ended up getting shoved into the new movies almost, oh, it was very soon after the release of the prequels, mm-hmm. um, so they shoved Hayden Christensen in there because he was more recognizable for people who were going to go back and watch right. those movies again, right. um, which I think was, I mean, kind of useless. Right. And, and I get why you're not okay with it but i understand your price right. point of view on it i bet i just think it was useless i, I, don't, think I don't think it was lucas as a creator like he's free to tinker like i think his, what they should have done thing, I, what so. they should have done was just have it be a uh, force ghost of george lucas because <laughs> really I, that was the other thing it's not only is hayden christensen more recognizable but when the three of them when the, if you watch the old version when the oh. three of them are standing there you're like well, oh okay you kind of like put two and two and two together that's vader mm-hmm. but like you don't like you don't look anything like vader yeah because right. he's not all scarred up and like mm-hmm. bald and everything. He's like a normal, normal dude. Right. So. But that's. But then again, that's why you just might as well put Aiden Christensen in anyway. Yeah, and that's mm-hmm. where I see it from you guys. Because it's like, why not? Right. Like at that point, like if you're not gonna recognize him anyway yeah. as Vader, like why not put him? The guy you can recognize as Vader, yeah. or you know, before Vader, Anakin. So. All right. So score it out. Last movie. Uh, I give it an eight because I just that act two was just too difficult for I me. I gave it a seven <clears throat> for the same reason. I love first part, Java's part, throne room, and the middle there's some good stuff, but I can take it away. I gave it a generous 8.5. Um, I th- I'm, I'm with you guys. The middle act is, like, it's a take the leave a moment. There's a lot of very funny, like, poignant parts, but come on now. <laughs> exactly, but it's just too much. Too much Ewok. Come on. I, but there's so many good iconic moments there. Right. Yeah. In that movie. I mean, you know, Luke's entrance into Jabba's palace is so, so and good. Mind the thing where, like, the highs can, you know, overshadow the lows. Yeah. yeah. All right. Next up is uh, Return of the King. We go from Return of the Jedi to Return of the King. Um, the third installment in Lord of the Rings. Uh, a lot of things going on. Uh, a lot of so weird, new, mystical many things going things on. Things going on in this um, movie. We're gonna go meet up with uh, some ghosts uh, and uh, get them to join <laughs> our get that. them to join our cause. <laughs> we're gonna have, <laughs> dove into that. Gonna have a giant battle. It's head on. And Gondor, we're gonna man up and regroup our forces and march to the gates of Mount Doom. Mm-hmm. All the while, we're gonna have um, Frodo and Sam. Gradually making their final approach to the fight she loved, which is awesome because that kind of like gets set up. Like, what if we let her take care of them at the end of the line? What if yeah. we let her take care of them? I yeah. get it. Like, and when Spiegel comes back, I get um, it. Yeah, I understand. From where's it going? Make their final approach to Mount Doom and finally succeed in destroying the ring. Um, and we'll have the great triumph of men and, and dwarves and elves alike. and then the movie ends like four different times, <clears throat> easily four times, um, which is, I mean, yeah, that's great. Like it's like all the celebration sort of, but it's still like it ends so many times. Yeah, and like they're not like quick scene. No, they're like, oh, this is the end of the movie. Great. Yeah. Wait. Okay. No. All right. This is the end of the movie. Is nope. it? No. Yeah. Right. Not yet. This has got to be the end, right? He's all right. He's oh, he's finished his book. All right, perfect. <laughs> That's the end of the movie. No, be, no, oh okay. Just kill me. Man. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So that part yeah, is definitely gonna be a part of it. I mean, 
what? I don't know. Yeah, there's a lot of different story arcs, so a lot there of different is. stories ending. Yeah. yeah. I guess. Yes. Yeah, usually when you watch a movie, you watch one movie. Yeah, yeah I get it. And, <laughs> and, and I understand that there's just so much here. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, they have to like kind of wrap everything. Up. Yeah. Well, yeah, because there's they start wrapping it. up to do a lot of wrapping up to do. It starts. It kind of ends the way that it starts with a lot of different things like coming together, and then a lot of little things that got to end. There's all these story arcs. Moving I just have one question. Did they have to use slow-mo to make it any longer? <laughs> like, yeah. why are we using slow-mo again? We want to use fast-forward right now. But, uh... Use time-lapse, get to the end. Uh, 1.5. Uh, yeah. <laughs> right. uh, but, okay, so... There's still a lot of great... Yeah, movie. absolutely. A lot of great, this lot is of great movie. dramatic irony and tension between uh, Sam and, and Gollum. Yeah. Like, their their battle of over the life of Frodo is great yeah. in this one. Like I, I started to lose it a little in the um, two towers, but in this one I gained it back. And I think I don't know. I think they just started to hit a stride with it more so. And I think it may have had something to do with his backstory being shown. Yeah. So it just like helped to propel like mm-hmm. that he wasn't always crazy and now he is gone way far. And how Sam if if he had had a Sam with him, like maybe it wouldn't have happened to him. So yeah. now having Sam with Frodo, like Sam is Although just I will say it seemed like was the ring more potent back in the day because like he turned very quickly, like he just killed his best friend. Like wasn't like, wasn't that? Yeah, what that, that was, that was a little weird. Yeah, because yeah. like at least with Frodo, it's like a it's a gradual thing. But this, they found him at the bottom of the river, and fifteen and minutes him. later, he killed him. Yeah, no, you're right. Frodo hasn't killed Sam yet, but I think that that's kind of what they're foreshadowing is that mm-hmm. like Frodo was eventually going to kill Sam. But right, well, thank you. Know, because Sam's awesome. So. I mean, the whole thing about you know he's going to ask for the ring. You know that's yep. why. So he hadn't yet. Uh, wait, did he ask for it in two towers or was it? No, it wasn't. So he hadn't asked for it yet. You're right, right, because that's when he sent him away. Well, well I can't carry the ring, but I can carry, carry you. That yeah, moment that's is, my is pretty. It's pretty awesome. That's kind of the big group. Carry you. Yeah. And oh, were, were they best friends when they were in the Shire? Were they? They were friends because friends. he calls them. Mr. Frodo, and that always threw me off. Like even the Mr. first time, yeah. Like, yeah, well, like, they were friends because friends. they set it up like where they were at the party and they were sitting mm-hmm. next to each other. He's like, just well, he's his gardener, so so, <laughs> so he's calling him Mr. Frodo. But they're friendly enough. And, yeah, well, I mean, he's friendly enough to know that uh, Sam is interested in that girl that mm-hmm. he's interested in. Right. So. Rose. All right, I'm gonna get to something that really bothered me. You didn't like Sheila. You didn't like Shelob? Say they fight a giant spider. You sign. Oh no, no, that, that didn't bother me as okay. much. Like it was. I like Shelob. I think. I, I, big, I, big and scary. Well, you don't like her because you're afraid of spiders, but she's big and scary. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, we'll get to that. What I really had issue was, and it's it's tough because I really like John Noble. I really like him, but his Mad King was just so bad. Mm-hmm. It was so forced. Mm-hmm. It was so. John Noble can play somebody who is crazy. I've seen him do it. But this was like, we're going to make him try to be crazy and bad and just evil and like, yeah. just like, did not work for me at all. Right. 
I was like, we just need to kill him. Yeah. He's not a king, though. Yeah, I know he wasn't the king, but he was the one who was sitting. Steward. Right, he's sitting on the throne for now. That's why I'm just calling him the king. Oh. I have it in quotes. That's and he's why constantly I'm eating. King. Right, right to show his growth. How do you show somebody's gross. Yeah, I, no. he didn't get that. I was like, yeah, that's how you show somebody's an asshole. You just have meat all the time. Yeah. Right, people are gross when they eat. But it doesn't always work because oh. Brad Pitt ate in every scene in Ocean's Eleven. But but it he was hilarious. Like he was a dick though. No, but it was hilarious because yeah. he was eating every scene. It became funny. It became a thing. They're like, oh, that's funny. He's eating every time. Mm. But him eating, they he was purposely eating as sloppily as possible. Yeah, it was like the, the tomatoes are like uh, dripping. <laughs> Wait, so what you're saying is you didn't like it? No, I, love it. I, think, that, I, think, we, I think we did our job there, right? I, I, didn't like it. I thought it was the greatest character ever. No, I was, <laughs> and it's mission accomplished. Mm-hmm. Eli didn't like you. No, yeah. I, I agree with you. I didn't great. like. It's not the character I didn't. It's how heavy handed it was. It's right. It's that you made me dislike him without giving me a chance to not dislike him. Yeah. Like, I wanted to know this character, they why he got it. They didn't have a lot of time for that. So I know, really. But they had, they had, you don't they have had to an hour and a half of the movie set aside for ending, so they just have Oh, I get why they couldn't do it, but I just feel like there could have been a better way to make him be an evil guy. Like, when he finally got into the stuff about killing his own son, I was still... I was just like, how much more... Do you have to show me he's a bad guy? And like, light yourself on fire and right. run off of a pit pocket. Like, <laughs> right. Like, we knew, we know Darth Vader's a bad guy. He doesn't eat. Yeah. It's not forced. We just see that he's evil. Until he's a good guy. Until what? Yeah. Until he's a good guy. But the steward doesn't Right, and that's fine. But this guy had no arc. No, yeah. No arc. No, he was yeah, just, there's no, and there was, there was no, no one note the whole time. And but. Especially because, like, um, doesn't Boromir talk about his father in the first one? Yeah. And, like,. Yeah. Like, I don't know, just, like, like, Boromir had his faults, and that's why he ended up dying or whatever, but, like, he was still, like, an honorable person, and Faramir seems like the same thing, right. and then it just doesn't feel like they... Well, it goes back to, like, you, when, you look at, when you look at their dad, and, like, you are, like, wow, thank God Faramir let Frodo go, because mm-hmm. we bought him to this guy, like, this is a whole different story. Yeah. Definitely his, somebody's mind blew. His name's Denethir? It's quite, yeah. Yeah, I, I see, I kept writing things, like, Denethir losing his mind, why? Like, what... Yeah, no, I know they don't do a great job of that in the movie. They don't. Just, not at all. Uh, so, when I rewatch this trilogy this time, now we can talk about, like, culminations and, like, uh, like yep. the journeys and stuff. I, it never really stuck with me because I, like, you know, everyone else thought that it's really about Frodo. Frodo's got the ring, and whoever's got the ring is the real story. But what really drew me in this second time in was the journey of uh, Aragorn, and, like, mm. I really, uh, attached myself to his stuff mm. a lot more this time around, and I think they do a really good job, barring the dead people, the dead yeah. army, I did not like that, it seemed like a, um, I did like that once they did that one battle that he released them, like, he mm, made yeah. that deal, because I would not have wanted that I kind of don't like, I kind of don't like the fact that, like, they completely, like, you kind of they kind of don't tell you right up until it happens, but they're just like a complete like X mark. Like they're completely mm-hmm. out not like outmatched right up until the dead people yeah. are, and then, and then like, it's just over. like it's just like a wave over, and it's just like <laughs> they just pass yeah. over them and kill them. Yeah. It's like man, like that There's was nothing you could do about yeah. it. Kind of whacked. So, yeah, it was like they went up and down. Yeah, <laughs> and you kind of see like you kind of like see the the. Uh, the parallel there between that and like the moment where they ride over the hill at the Battle of Humsdee, mm-hmm. but 
it's way worse because when they ride over the hill, the battle runs deep. Like you know, like that's like like all these humans come to aid. Like this is kind of like using the OP gun in like a video game. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. you can't just bought a bunch of ghost people that you can't even kill exactly. to like fight the battle. Your swords you. can't even touch. Yeah, like, no, right, that's messed there's up. no stakes. It takes away all yeah. that. Well, but everything else with Aragorn coming mm-hmm. back, the re- like you had said, the, re- the return of the king. Yeah, like it's 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 very compelling. I, mm-hmm. I just love it and. I liked it a lot more this second time. Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I think that they 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 do a good job of finishing up his arc. Mm-hmm. What's interesting for me is I liked it more the first time mm-hmm. because I I attached myself to more of the things you're seeing the first time, mm-hmm. and now this second time I saw the other things like the dead army that I was like, mm-hmm. whoa, yeah. this is this is not what I remember. Like, because I remembered the dead army being a lot. More interesting. Not that it wasn't interesting. That's not the right word. Um, a lot more poignant of a moment. Mm. But now it was more like a. Oh, that, oh that's it. It's a no stakes moment. Yeah. Like, like we were saying, that that army completely takes away from that battle. And like right. if you're talking about what what's happened in that battle, we're talking about the death of the Wraith King, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and that moment there is like so cool, and what should have been like the actual turning point of that, not like you know. The fact that they came in with this OP ghost army. <laughs> I mean, that moment that was Eowyn has when she's like, when he's like, you know, no man can strike me down, yeah. and or can kill me, and she's like, I'm no man. Yeah. Like that, like yeah. that's, like, that's like the girl power moment right there. Like screw Leia choking out a, a, a Jabba in a bikini. <laughs> yeah. Like that part right there, like yeah, but sword to the face. I agree with you <laughs> in the actual thing of it, and I'm not, I'm not. Comparing it to, to the light one, I'm like, no. But, but um, I guess to me it was like, oh, the setup. No man can kill me. Yeah. Oh, I'm a woman. Yes, we get it. Mm-hmm. Do we have to reiterate that no man can yes, kill me? Yeah. Like, that's why like, I, you don't have to hit me over the head with a hammer. Like, that's I why I like it. the way they did it in Tangent Wonder Woman. Was when like, oh, this is no man's land. I was 100 percent right, right. expecting. Well, I'm no man. You know what I mean? Yeah. That would have been the... But they didn't line, do it. They didn't. Right. They didn't say no. it. They just let it happen. Yeah, which is exactly what... I'm like... But we already knew that no man could kill him, so I'm just mm-hmm. like... If she... If there was no... But I'm no man. You know, and stab him, like... It was already implied, and we already understood it. Mm-hmm. I was like, eh, don't, just don't say that one line. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I like the fact that she stabbed him yes, in the face. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah, I love it. I love it. And that she proved her, like, her father saw so right. like, okay, I was wrong. You know what yeah, yeah. Now that, I'm, that, I'm a warrior. <laughs> now I'm dead, bud. All right. Um, yeah. I, I, so going back to the, the Faramir you know, battle, um, going out on with all the horses, like, I, I like the visuals of that scene with, um, is it Mary singing? Or no, it's Pippin? I don't, right. know, I don't like either. It's Pippin. Like it's Pippin doing the singing, right? Yeah. yeah. So I, I like the way that was portrayed, like with him singing the song, going with that visual, mm-hmm. them writing out the death. Like he yeah. knew it was happening, and you know, the, the Mad King, whatever, didn't care. It was just a good visual moment yeah. to have. You know, just sounded great too. So, like, I don't want you to think that moment didn't mean anything just because I was comparing it to something else. Yeah. But that moment was, was brilliant. How did uh, Mary end up underneath an orc away from the Nazgul? Um, oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> that was just like, wait a minute, how did he end up way over there? Because he was right next. Battle he was, time, I don't know. 
Because he was right next to he was right next to her when she stabbed the yeah, guy yeah, in the yeah, face. Uh -huh. And then I was like, oh, cool. But wait, doesn't then, he like doesn't he like crumple up and like do a like thing? Like doesn't he? Yeah, but he crumples up right there, and yeah. I don't. I don't. Did Mary get thrown? Maybe. I don't, I don't know. know. He's I don't a know. small dude. Right. It, it's funny. I was just. I just wrote it down because I'm like, how the wait? He was over there. Well, wasn't it the horse that? No. No, the no, horse fell. No, no, no. no, yeah. no the Ro, Rohan. Yeah. Thayden. yeah, the Thaden. Yeah. Wait, which is cool. The Nazgul. Fun. Yeah. I think it's really dope that he has to die on his horse. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he dies in battle on his horse. His horse killed him. <laughs> That wasn't even the Nazgul. That's not the coolest way to go. I learned it like that. I mean, it wasn't even the Nazgul. It was the horse. Steve. Right. That's irony. Horse irony. Um, the all the Nazgul fighting is cool, and then the eagles coming. Yeah. You don't like that? No, I did. I like that part of the battle more than I like all the ghosts coming from it. No, I oh I I really like that. Like what? Where did the eagles come from? Uh, well, first Gandalf has to oh, the moth. moth. That's right. That's and then right. the moth goes and talks to the eagles. <laughs> <laughs> Duh. Duh. <laughs> how do you no. summon your eagles? I just forgot how they even showed up. I'm like, wait a minute. The here. conversation was a lot quicker yeah. than the end one. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. We... Alright. I'm going to get to the elephant in the room. Now we're going to get to the elephant. Some of the elephant? Cause no, that was that was, that no, was the like build the up of the joke Call of the like, Oliphant, first of all. Oh yeah, the Oliphant. When Legolas takes out the Oliphant, yeah. it does it in the sickest way possible. Yeah, absolutely. Like, lies down the uh, and Gimli just says that's that still counts as one. That still only counts as one. Yeah, and no. then he slides down the trunk like he slid down yeah. the yeah. stairs. But that, but I was better on the trunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, that was sick. I was accepting of that one because I was like, all right, how else is he gonna get down? He's also just a total bad. And I do like the, I think it's, it's not, I don't know, I've never read the books or anything, but I don't think it's by mistake that it's like, almost like the Warriors 3, it's Aragorn, Legolas, and mm. Gimli, and it's like, so, so I took it as like a parable for like, elks, I mean, elves, man, and dwarves coming together to, right. yeah, yeah. just Absolutely. like they did before. Mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Even though in the beginning they didn't, the dwarves didn't join them, right? It was Ooh. just elves and men, when they first got off the ring, when they first defeated Saruman. I don't remember. I don't know. Yeah, there's so I much. Thought it was, I thought it was that, and then I also, if, if that was the case, I liked that it was like, like the dwarves don't give it, like they don't care. They yeah. only care about themselves, except for this one dwarf, like the most honorable dwarf of them all, like mm. Gimli, who would like put his stuff aside to work with mm. elves to get the job mm. done. Well, because he would. It's not the first time that his bloodline's done that. He's well, son of Gloin. Mm. So. Oh. Oh, he's son of Gloin? Yes. Gimli's son of Gloin. So he's actually the son of. The guy who Frodo. followed Frodo's uncle into battle with oh, the dragon. That's cool. I didn't pick that up actually. That's um, good. Oh, so moving on, which ending was your favorite ending? <laughs> yeah, like I don't know. I man. didn't really understand the I just Undying Lens until you explained it to me earlier, so I did not like that one. Well, this is my problem with all the endings is that they could have combined at least two of, two of them. So before we even got to that ending, though, which one? <laughs> well, before we got to the fact that they even threw the ring in to lava. the lava, yeah. that took forever. What, that scene? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm like, yeah. just throw the ring in already, <laughs> man. Toss it. Like, at that point, I just became exhausted with anticipation. Yeah, yeah. because we, we, no, have been, we have been leading up for three years at right. this point to like... 
get to this point, and then they once they get finally get there, they're still dragging their feet. Yeah, it's like, and they're just right, not there yet. Let's get there. Yeah, and then you have to go through like you know it's. I mean that's a tough thing to do. Um, this is the culmina- culmination. I mean you're talking about. I mean, but to take the thirty power minutes, of the ring, man. To take thirty minutes, though. Yeah, I feel you. Yeah, I feel it's like though. that was just too much. It, I like that they like how be, they wrap up uh, uh, Schmiegel's like story. That's yeah, like, he's that, gotta go. He's gotta go with the ring. Like, yeah, and and I I appreciated him biting the finger off and and just you know dealing with that and falling in. But all that prior to, I'm like, just can we? If you narrow that down to ten minutes, you would have had me. Yeah, probably. But, like, I, you, I, I literally became exhausted with anticipation because I knew it was going to happen. But I'm like, when is it going to happen? Okay, now, you know. Okay, now, no. Yeah, so it, just, know, it was a, too many starts and stops. Um, oh, so we answered that question. I had the question about Arwen. She's going to die. She's mortal now. But you said, no, that was not. I'm not sure now. No, I got to reread this book. Right. Yeah. I said something was so corny. Oh yeah, the, the slow motion and like you just didn't need to do that. Oh, oh, when they're back in Rivendell. Yeah. Yeah, and they're like jumping. Everybody's jumping in the bed together. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, but it, mirrors, that, it also mirrors the last time that uh, Frodo woke up in a bed in Rivendell. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Oh yeah, because they're not. I get it. It was just a little too corny. Yeah. I feel you. I did, but before that, what what when I thought would have come off as corny for me, but I ended up getting me like like very emotional was when the after the battle and like, you know, Aragorn's king or and stuff is when like the hobbits kneel to Aragorn. Yeah, you kneel for no one. And then everyone kneels for the hobbits. Yeah. That's pretty dope. All right. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, the smallest I think that's my favorite ending. Yeah. (laughs) No, it's it is. I I think it's the best ending. And it could have ended there because I I, I wrote that or something about it too. Like, you know, just shows you that the smallest or littlest group of people Mm -hmm. are the ones who actually can can possibly be in a better way than uh, the Ewoks. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> Much better. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, because like, you actually get like the you be, even though you don't really like Mary and Pip, but like yeah. through Mary and Pip, you get to see that like these guys are they they're not just fighting because yeah. like they want an adventure. Mm-hmm. They're fighting out of desperation. Like mm-hmm. when Mary and Pip start to talk about the, how the Shire is not going to be there, like it'll be gone. Yeah. They, there will be no place for them to return mm-hmm. if they don't like right, they don't know, man up. Yeah. Yeah. And so they do. And uh, I also liked that final battle, I guess, <laughs> um, when they're at uh, Mordor. Mm-hmm. They get yeah. in. Um, well, again, that took so long to have them all come out and just stand around them. Yeah. But when he finally got to, to Argon saying, like, for Frodo. Right. Like, yeah. That was, like, yeah. if you had just sped that up and given us that moment a little bit earlier... That would have been so perfect. 100%. Yeah. It was just took too long for us to get to that moment, but that moment was beautiful, you know. And then, obviously, you know, he, the ring finally gets tossed in at the same time. So. Yeah, and it, it, I think it helps with, because they were separated and, like, they left Frodo to do his own thing. Like, in the second one, I think they bring it up, too. It might be the third one, where, like, Gandalf is like, it's all up to Frodo now. Like, yeah. he becomes this, like, almost, like, mythic person mm-hmm. of, like, like we don't know where Frodo is. We don't. He could be dead, but we're just fighting on hope alone yeah. Like, yeah. that he's gonna make mm-hmm. 
So I, I guess those like you gotta have some hope. So. Yeah. so I really like when you said for Frodo. Because yeah, Frodo, like, absolutely. for all they know, Frodo could still be Frodo, back, like, back where they left him. Frodo, like, and fell like, in the bog and died. To, <laughs> 20 minutes after they left. Smeagol hit him in the head with a rock. And then I wrote longest ending ever. It's not, no, that's not true. There's many endings. There's yeah. The... <laughs> yeah, so put them all together and it's the longest ending ever. Yeah, no, I uh, yeah. Like... I don't know. The crowning, the crowning Aragorn is definitely my favorite. the The celebration in Gondor yeah. is my favorite ending. Um, and, and I, I think that they could have combined that and everybody leaving to the Undying Lands. So they didn't have to like go to a different location. Go back to, to the Shire, write the book, and, yeah. and then go to the Undying Lands, have them all hug, then go back to the Shire for Sam to say goodbye. And like, well, yeah. we're just, just really saying goodbye, aren't we? All goodbyes. <laughs> It's an, epic, it's an epic journey, you know, epic advice. Yeah, it doesn't need epic advice. They should have left it more to uh, to uh, Bilbo's style of goodbyes. Yeah. Or, uh, mm. uh, but don't <laughs> gotta disappear. It's the end. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. Um, we're going to talk about rewatchability for all these in just a minute. I think I'm going to just go over that. Um, all right. Uh, I scored uh, Return of the King. I don't know if anybody wants to talk about anything else in Return of the King. Um, I think that... I'm good. I liked everything about that movie except for the things that I didn't like about that movie. We just talked about them. Yeah, we did. Um, I, I scored an 8.0. I think it was the greatest movie in the world I've ever seen, but I still really like it. I think it's a great way to end all those story arcs, mm-hmm. even though they might have done it five times. Yeah. <clears throat> what did you give it? I gave it a 9. Um, from the aspect of I didn't like the King stuff. I didn't like the Dead Army stuff, I should say. And I didn't love the Mad King stuff. I didn't hate it as much as, like, whatever. But I also fall back on when you're giving, like, a classic example of, like, every aspect of a movie, like, Return of the King does every single aspect great. Like, the CGI is great. The Mm -hmm. costumes are great. The acting is great. Like, the story is epic. Like visuals are great. Yeah, so it's like, they do every aspect of, like, making a movie. The score is really good, too. Like... I think the steward is bad writing, not bad acting. Um... And yeah. so I think it's. Just, I think so too because I like John Noble yeah. a lot. Yeah. I think it's just bad writing. I mean, the mm-hmm. way that they wrote those scenes. Or bad stupid. portrayal. Yeah. It could be like directing too. Whatever it was. Just um, but yeah, I just think those aspects of it, they do every single one of those to the nines that when it comes together, it, it's a it's a feat. And yeah. it's a, the culmination of this, most, the most everything we've ever seen. Right. And with everything you said, I give it an eight. Yeah, because I agree with that, but mm-hmm. because it was so egregious, like yeah, slow mo, slow mo, bed mode, right? Yeah. It's just so egregious. Like some of the things that they didn't do right were just like, you've done so much right, and you're gonna do this wrong. Mm-hmm. Like, come on. Like, I get you wanted to be your swan song and goodbye, but like, you gotta know the like. The curtain call sometimes, mm-hmm. like, the encore is only one song, man, not, you know, <laughs> keep coming out for five. <laughs> just one, one more song. Uh, um, was Peter Jackson, right? Yeah. All three? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Peter Jackson, Jackson. Peter Jackson, yeah. Like, that's yeah. pretty sick. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, it must have been exhausting. Absolutely. Three years yeah, just Boys and Brian Walsh again written. I mean, it's pretty sick. Yeah. yeah, well, give it up for all the, all of everybody. Like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, you know. All the team, you know, Weta Studios that had to work on that for mm-hmm. years. <laughs> and the fact that 
it would have been so much easier to just CGI all these armies and everything. Yeah. But, but no, they that actually really, yeah. really helped. I mean, they CGI'd a lot of it, but they put it together a lot of mm-hmm. it as well. Yep. A lot more than than if the movies were made now with like a different studio. I think they would have like copped out, especially Warner Brothers. You know, I think they would have copped well, out. Well, most studios would just because monetary. Yeah. yeah, it's expensive, man. Yeah. Alright, so we're moving on to uh, War for War. the Planet of the Apes. Not War of the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes. War, War. for <laughs> War for the Planet of the Apes. War for the Planet of the Apes. Directed by Matt Reeves. Mm-hmm. Again, thankfully. Written by? Uh, written by Matt Bombag, Matt Reeves, Rick... Well, those are just the story. So just the first two. Matt, mm-hmm. Matt, uh, Matt Bombag and, and Matt Reeves? Yeah. Ah, I see that. Yeah. Alright, so, I think, uh, for me, a trilogy, it's a journey, right? And uh, we started this off talking about Planet of the Apes, that it was a character study of one character. And I just think that, for me, this last movie is the perfect, like, I don't know how to put it into words. It's the perfect uh, culmination of the journey that he's been going through throughout this whole thing. Uh, we know what type of person he is based on the first one. We know what he's some of the stuff that he's been through in the second one. Um, I we talked about that uh, this underlying theme of ape doesn't kill ape. Um, it was like subtle in the first one, but it was a big deal. And I think this leads to the unraveling of like Caesar's psyche because he did break that one rule. And like yeah, he said that in the second one, but he still killed an ape, and he was like one of the first ones to like like do it and still be in charge um i also like that in this movie he becomes the most human you know what i mean because it's just fueled by revenge and rage um and i think he just gives into the devils of his nature um which is understandable because you know he kills Woody Harrelson kills his son um and his son and his wife right yeah mm-hmm. even though the wife has never really been that big a deal um I love those cool braids. Yeah, yeah, she does. I mean, I guess. Um, I love the fact that he's like trying to still do the best for his people. Like, okay, take this road, go and do this thing. But he just can't get over what happens so much so that he leaves his people. Like, all he's done is like stay with them through thick and thin, and then he just can't get over this one thing, and it drives him to like. Go search them out. I love the whole, like, it's Rocket, it's uh, Maurice, and uh, I can't it's remember. It's like the original Avengers. Thing. Yeah. yeah. I don't know the thing either. But they, they look, no matter what, he, they're riding out for, you know, at and just out of loyalty. Wait, who's the gorilla? The gorilla. Is it Buck? Remember. No. No, it's not Buck. We already went over there. Because oh, he's dead. Yes, yeah. Buck died in the first one. Dying. It's a different gorilla. <laughs> Yeah, there's so many gorillas in this. <laughs> Don't worry, there's not too many apes. <laughs> this what? All right. Anyway, it's um, been 15 years now, so they can make as many apes as they want. I have no problem with that in this movie. Okay. All right. I'm glad we got a lot. There is a lot. There is a lot. Um. So I just, I just love, like everything this this movie takes Caesar through because. He then sees the error of his ways because when he finally gets to where he's going, you know, all these apes that he just left for dead basically are now captured and they have to, uh, he has to try to rescue them. 
He didn't leave him for dead. Yeah, no, he didn't. He thought they were. He didn't playing. know that. That's true. Yeah, he he left them because he thought they were gonna make it, and it turns out that he was wrong. Mm-hmm. Turns out everything he did was wrong. Yeah. But I think that that uh, the whole like consumed by revenge thing and going to hunt down his, uh, his the the person wronged him and hunt down the colonel. I think that that is like the the breaking point of that is that 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 was his answer to him sparing those troops that he sends back to the colonel. Yeah. Mm-hmm. His answer to, oh, this guy spared my men was, I'll find somebody to show me where he lives and go mm-hmm. kill his family. But that all comes down to like that end conversation, not the end conversation, but one of the end conversations he has with the colonel, mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson's character, he's just like, it's like, hey man, like you're so emotional. Like, yeah. hey, that, I didn't mean to kill your family. I meant to kill you. Like, yeah. This is war. Like we're not... We're not like messing around with you know being niceties and whatever nicey nice, and I think that's kind of where um, Caesar realizes this guy's crazy. Yeah, because they, <laughs> like, yeah. this guy's nuts. Leading right. up to this, like the ape culture has always been like right. one of respect and one of mm-hmm. like you know we do things a certain way, and then to just have that thrown out the window and like. I mean, get it people for me, I think that I think that it would have been uh, much better for them to show that Woody Harrelson had caught the disease from the doll and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, but not have Caesar go back for that conversation with him between him and Caesar to like show Caesar like oh this guy's nuts like he's not even worth my anger and my penalty like, he's crazy like the like why am I even gonna go back to this mm-hmm. like like I he like he almost didn't learn from the mistake that he made the first time which was leaving his people yeah but and then did it not did see, it again I love that because that shows that just because you get a lesson that doesn't mean you take the lesson in it shows that like. He goes back because he even says it to Morius. I have too guy, much Koba in me, like that. Like, I can't, I can't forget this one. He and can't that's the physically do it, yeah. and he knows he should. And Maurice is right, like throughout the whole thing, but he just can't get over it. Maurice right. is the best character in the trilogy. Can we just say that, please? No, like, Maurice is the best. <laughs> Caesar is the best character in the trilogy. I like Maurice a lot. But Maurice like is great. Maurice yeah. is fantastic. I like Maurice. And if, I if, love... if the Maurice is the lead character in the next movie, I'm watching. And I, <laughs> and I love the Steve Zahn aspect of it all, of like. Um, because up to this point, like, he's only had the apes that he's rescued and that have procreated or whatever. Yeah. And he didn't know that there's other apes that have been mm-hmm. affected from way farther. And uh, and just the... Because we talked about earlier how the humans treating the apes before and how Steve Zahn thinks his name is Bad Ape mm-hmm. because that's what they With used the to say to him. Yeah. Like, I love no, that. I, I mean, his character is also hilarious. Yeah. 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 Oh no! Oh, right. like, he's just so every time he's just oh 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 no oh no oh you gotta look at this like, oh. like and then the uh, when he wants him to when he wants him to crawl up the hole that they just like, he looks at him he's like he's like get on my back like like where he's like get on my back he's like no me like. No, no. But it is yeah, fascinating how, how and then Maurice, then Maurice, Maurice, uh, like screams at him. He's like, okay. <laughs> it is fascinating how you know uh, he learned to talk so well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, because he's the only because yeah. Caesar is the only one that uh, right. And Koba were the only two really. Well, obviously Maurice can talk. Yeah. He just doesn't. Right, yeah. and, it, and it makes you wonder. I think they all can. I think right. he's just a thinker, you know. Right. So that's what's interesting, is like, can they all actually talk? Mm-hmm. I don't know. Right. I don't know. I, I don't either. Because Copa was very fluent. Like, right. For yeah. that time. And, and then at but the end, Caesar's for the most part, at the, end of the third, at the end of the third movie, for the most part, Maurice can speak pretty well. I mean, yeah, not like yeah. he's, they can't talk. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, you have Bad Ape, who just can pretty much talk 100%. He's hilarious. Yeah. Right. I think that, that comes from also, like, 
at least the apes from like the sanctuary and like the thing like it would make sense why they were taught sign language that's like a thing well um, i was gonna go exactly this is that some of those apes might not have heard as much speech as mm-hmm. the right i thought that too like it wasn't was bad, he was just basically a pet. Yeah. So, like, he wobbly, probably would have had a lot of one-on-ones. Right, he said, it. He, he said, I just listened to, to yeah. them mm-hmm. talking and talking and talking. So it's probably not something that they got a lot of exposure to. Especially, yeah. like, the zoo, ones that live in the zoo, they probably don't hear humans talk a lot. And then if the only human you hear talk is Draco Malfoy, you're not going to learn all that much from him. So. That's true. And if you are, it's going to be through a terrible American accent. <laughs> um. uh, just got to point out that, that, that issue with the... Gorilla on the horseback. Yeah. Yeah, are you talking about 400 pound gorilla? No way. <laughs> plus the other, plus rocket? Plus yeah, the, plus yeah. rocket. Plus a gorilla and like chip, like chimpanzees are not like, like at least 200. Yeah, that horse pounds. is like, back. <laughs> uh, she said the. And it's sprinting, that, and they right, one shot full. when they when they're chasing bad ape on the horse, yeah, and well, that's when they're on the same horse, and yeah. it goes like the horse that goes up this yeah. hill. It's like that's not happening. Yeah. That's no. not. Happening. There, I had a problem with the timeline of the start of the movie. First of all, I have a problem with them trying in the start of the movie trying to justify all the names <laughs> of the movies. That's I love. But it. I had the timeline of the movie. So apparently, this is five years later from the last movie, mm-hmm. and they called down the army from the north. Mm-hmm. And assuming this colonel comes down, this Woody Harrelson character comes down from the north, and then it says that they've only been fighting with these people back and forth for the last two years. Mm-hmm. So what was the first three years? Was him walking from like Washington to California? What I'm regardless, I'll back it up. If you've been, they've been fighting this war for two years, and they haven't moved out of the forest yet, even though they, that's been a thought. They're looking for a new home, mm-hmm. and you know, Caesar's son find one, but like they haven't moved away, like run away since like now. Well, it's I mean, two years of fighting. Well, they're a little deeper. The, 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 yeah, the, same, the place where they yeah. start with that Also, the Redwood like, Forest is, like, completely morphed into something that is more like a jungle. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. obviously, because there's no... Right. Stuff. There's no, no no humans to deforest the entire planet yeah. now, so... Totally change. <laughs> well, that, well, that's what I'm saying. It, it, they, they might not be in the same spot. Yeah, because they could have been moving, and... We don't know exactly. The reason they where sent they emissaries because it's easier to you know send those two than the entire tribe. And we don't know where yeah. exactly they're traveling to. And then also that whole travel where he's like, oh, it's a long distance. You have to go through the desert. And then like at the end of the movie, they like snap there. Like basically Caesar's dying, and but somehow they get there in enough time for him to not die. I think Caesar just toughed it out through the journey. Yeah, sure, toughed it out to conclude through the blood loss. And yeah, then, you know, I think that's where the parallels of uh, of Moses come in yeah. a lot, where well, Moses saw the problem. You probably have to land, see the never you probably have to go. see the journey to like be in the like you know see the journey to have that parallel drawn. Listen, just because your trilogy is all based on journey <laughs> doesn't mean we have to like you know. All right, right. Same point no, uh, I, I oh, most for the most I love the movie. I think the bad ape is hilarious. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that uh, I like. I wrote down that uh, they brilliantly depicted like Caesar's fall into like hatred, like yeah. just absolute visceral hatred for this other guy um like woody harrelson did a great job uh portraying this like when when he has his like monologue and he's yeah like, well, this is like you know, what does he call it? he says it's a religious war not or what does he call it oh man he doesn't use the word religious war but he says it's like this is a, a holy war a holy yeah. war yeah, yeah. this is a holy war mm-hmm. like he just does a great job of being like this like maniacal leader yeah and, like and I, he's got the guy who's standing there. He's like, "What did I do to them?" He's like, "You have severed their heads, sir." Like, like it was just yeah. like 
he's like nuts. He's crazy, and he does a great job at it. Too. But if I was on the human side, I would fight for Woody Harrelson. Yeah, he's not. That's, that's the type of mentality you need to survive. Well, that's what's going to survive. What's going on? Exactly. This is an apocalypse. It would have been more fascinating of an ending if Woody Harrelson didn't kill himself. Hmm. It would have been like if he somehow couldn't like his mind was starting to drift and he couldn't figure out how to kill himself. Mm. Or his like, mind was mm. gone and he didn't even understand the concept that right. the original him would want to kill himself. Yeah, exactly. I think, I think that that's where I would have been like, oh, wow, that's kind of sad. Like, right. This guy, like... Because like, at that point, you're like, yeah, he can die still. But like, I, I, you know when he presses, the, like, when he sees holding the gun, he presses it to his head, like, mm-hmm. Woody Harrelson had, like, recoiled and be like, no, don't kill me, like... Or if, like, I would have oh. liked if he didn't even know what the gun was. Right. If he or just looked at the he, gun yeah. and was like... What if he did, like, the same thing, um, uh, like, Colby Colby did, the first right. video, was like... Right, like, <laughs> like, like, if he had no concept of what the gun actually was and yeah. what damage it could cause. And I get that, you know, the descent isn't that rapid, Probably not. it's mm. different, but... I just think that would have been, like, the ultimate I, I, moment. I fall, try to fall back on when Woody Harrelson talks about that, like, when he had to kill his son. Mm-hmm. Like, his son, he's like, he looked at me with, uh, with like, calmness in his eyes because, like, he still recognized who he was, right. like, the paternal yeah. figure, and trusted him. And I think, like, that's why I, I fall back on, like, he knew what was going on, and that's why, like, his eyes, you can tell that he's, like, horrified that it's happening to him. So. Oh yeah, that and that and that's good and bad. Mm. Yeah. I just wanted him to no longer have that ability to function. Yeah, because they talk about it getting rid of like the higher cognition. Like, yeah, that's part. That's what separates it. Right. So if he just if he went into not understanding what the gun was, it would have mm. been like now he's what the old apes were. Like yeah. apes didn't understand guns until they were showed what a gun was. Yeah. So uh, that's just it. Would have been this more dramatic tension. Builder, but I mean, he would have died anyway when the avalanche came down. It would just been. I think the avalanche is, is kind of kind of funny. Um, I like. I mean, they kind of had to use the avalanche to get rid of the other humans. Yeah. Um, I think it would have been more. I think it would have been a little bit better if the humans had literally just decimated each other. Yeah. That would have been pretty awesome. But they couldn't because there were just too many uh-huh. on one side. Yeah. So. But then the avalanche just like. Right, but the symbolism but of that also, is, is nature just will wipe out the plague. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, that the, the symbolism of the nature, but it also symbol, symbolizes like the frivolousness of like the entire battle that they were ha- like the right. fight between those humans yeah. was just completely yeah. free. like it doesn't even matter like like yeah. like, like and nature will, will cleanse itself mm-hmm. of these. <laughs> um, I really liked uh, the little girl. Yeah, yeah. Maurice yeah. like adopts. Mm-hmm. Yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and I loved I loved when she came season. in with the doll and you know giving the, way the, the water. The way yeah. that he gives the doll the, the 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 transference of the doll from her to him to yeah to uh, yeah. Woody Harrelson is like mm-hmm. yeah exactly. I I like the I like uh the donkey aspect of like oh the donkey, donkey con because yeah. oh, <laughs> like, as it comes from that's pretty awesome yeah yeah oh yeah and mm-hmm. and that's why I also love. I know you don't like the words that show up, but when they have like uh, like monkey killer and yeah, stuff yeah, like yeah. on the helmets Written and stuff, that just shows like where we're at. Right. But yeah, having the donkeys be uh, Koba followers yeah. that like were yep. too afraid of Caesar, so like yep. had no choice. Yeah, and then um, there was one other thing. It was it was about Nova. 
Oh, no, it was about once Caesar, um, well, first of all, when Nova, like, follows, uh, the gorilla helps him, like, pass when he gets stabbed or whatever, I thought that was very, like, that, that helped crack Caesar's, like, because um, he was not trying to have her around, you know what I mean? It was, a, so, I, I had... When she put the flower behind I know what ear, you're talking you know about, and he gave it to her, and she was very upset that he died. Mm-hmm. Was that her father that died? In the beginning? Yeah. yeah. yeah and she bad. didn't care. Yeah. I don't know. And, and, well, and maybe no, it's because of the relationship they had. You don't, she, right, that's not, what I'm saying. She might not even know he's dead. Well, obviously her brain is like mm-hmm. well, no, depressed no. a little bit. But she might not even know he's dead because he dies outside and she's in a completely different building. No, but she comes out and sees him. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Right, yeah, but yeah, so does. I don't know. So... The difficulty of that is you don't know the relationship. Yeah. Thing. Also, you don't even know if it was really her father. Number one, and number two is you don't know if the well, father kinda, was a bad. You kind of do. You kind of. Well, do you kind of get the idea Woody Harrelson, that Woody Harrelson says some people with children ran away from me. Oh. Right. So you would assume that that's one of those people. Right, but it also looked like it was a little community there. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it was. That's what I'm saying. So I like again. You don't know yeah. if maybe it was just somebody else who was living there as well, taking and care of her father. And a confirmation one way or the other would have made it more telling, right? But it, just not knowing, right? And and so therefore, it's like the lack of concern she had for that. And I get it. You you wanted to have concern for the ape because mm-hmm. that's what the whole the, the point of it is. But it's like she had concern for the ape who she just met, but no concern for her father. And again, if it was her father, I don't know the relationship that they would have had, but mm-hmm. if. If it is her father and they deserted, that's obviously because he was trying to keep her safe. So then that would um, you would imagine that they would have had a somewhat decent relationship yeah. at least. Again, he still could have been not a great father, but good enough to try to keep her safe. Mm-hmm. So it was just that one moment I was like, mm. I get why why she cared it was the ape because she had to. Mm-hmm. But at the same point, I'm like, she didn't care about her father dying. Let's yeah. talk about the symbolism of the apes. Strong together. Yes. This becomes like way yes. more of a thing. And it starts, yeah. and it, it, yeah. like, it's the first one, right? Where he yeah. he's explaining to Maurice with the sticks, and right. then it, it it's those subtle notes. That's the stuff I kind of love about it. Right, yeah. absolutely. It sounds when so when Caesar's in the uh, in the lockup or the quarantine facility with all of them, and he's like, he kind of uses them as a martyr, you know what I mean? And like, it like ties him up to the pole and like mm-hmm. pours, that tries to kill him that way, or. Uh, my, one of my favorite scenes is the one where they're working on the ball or whatever, mm-hmm. and Caesar, like, sees them, like, beating the hell out of the ape or whatever, and he's like, like, stop, mm-hmm. and then everyone stops, and, like, just to sh- so to show, it shows Woody Harrelson how much, like, pull this guy had mm-hmm. with all the people, and, like, he's still gonna, like, well, when he's fighting for them to get food and water, mm-hmm. like if not, they're gonna die. Like he's still fighting for their rights, even though yeah, they're all like, right. And, and Woody Harrelson's character played that the exact opposite of how he should have done it. Mm. Because by making him the martyr, mm. it only made it well, yeah. more yeah. important for when Lake. When Lake is like, you saved our lives. Yeah. Right. It yeah. only made it's all the up. other apes yeah. again be like, yeah. look what Caesar's because doing. Well, it's also us. it's also the mirror. Like so, Caesar. So they talk about when the gorillas. When they capture the gorilla, and he's like giving that speech, it's all the way back to the beginning. They capture the gorilla, mm-hmm. and he's talking about Woody Harrelson's character, yeah. uh, the colonel, and he's like, you know, he says that when you die, the rest of the age die. He's more than a he's more than a man to, mm-hmm. the, to them, yeah. Right. And that kind of mirrors mm-hmm. what Caesar is to the rest of yeah. his, mm-hmm. his clan. Like he's mm-hmm. more than just a regular right. old ape. He's, exactly. he's, he's Caesar. Yeah, and that 
that's my favorite shot of the entire movie is when they capture those guys and Caesar's walking through and you don't see Caesar at first but it's all these apes in this hallway and they're all like with the hand yep, thing and he's just walking like that mm. crazy, yeah. crazy. we just talk about why you love these movies yeah. I mean, you love these movies because they represent like the order of things there's a hierarchy and you really like the hierarchy yeah. of those movies and knowing you personally I can tell you that you like to have structure and to have somebody command who you know to like give dole out leadership mm -hmm. so for you for you I'm sure that these movies were in, yeah. insane because yeah. the way that they build that hierarchy with the apes probably just tickles your fancy Cause, yeah cause such Jesus a great just way. without question is the leader like, just the best yeah he's the best <laughs> He is. He is. He's great. I, I, I think Andy Serkis deserved to be uh, nominated yeah. for his, mm -hmm. his portrayal of Caesar. I think more so in this last one because yeah. it's more, you know, the, I mean, the he has look a lot, on his face. Right, when he wants to kill him but yeah. doesn't. Exactly. Or when he, when Woody Harrelson is going to go up in, on the oh, rope. Oh, right, and yeah. he runs and after him. Like, like every, everything. Uh, just all of it's great. The return to leashes was great, you know. Um, Just all of it, like the the theme of like you have to move on, you have to move on, and he couldn't move on, mm -hmm. like just needed to. And it's like one of his most human traits. Right. Well, that came up ended up being his downfall. Like right. if he didn't go back to trying to kill him, he would have been fine. He would have been able to, but he just couldn't get he over his own stuff. No matter how great a leader he is, he still has you know human error, mm -hmm. even though ape error, I guess. But. Right, which is fascinating because is it now are they going to become human? That's what I'm saying. That's it's always so weird. like I I when I'm watching these movies I'm you're rooting for the apes. You're not supposed to because you're a human, but uh, but like, you're supposed to because yeah, that's how because that's how the movies written. Yeah, yeah, they're the humans. But are they actually going to over time evolve into humans? Oh, oh, it's like a long time. Mm -hmm. right? I mean, yeah, maybe that's how we started. It's the question. And is that going to continue itself? Is this a cycle? Cleanse one, the other start. Um, I think that, uh, I don't know, that's a very deep thought. Um, <laughs> by Jack Candy. I think that uh, it would be wicked cool for them to expand on this universe. Hmm. You know, like we said, there's all the Easter eggs right. of, you know, the guys who just landed on Mars, mm -hmm. who are eventually obviously going to come back to Earth. Mm -hmm. The fact over. that, you know, the new... <laughs> The new simian flu that's evolved now in the third movie somehow magically is making people dumber and not able to use their voices, just mm -hmm. like in the original movie. So I think it's going to be very cool for them to expand on this universe. I, I want to see another movie. Um, Honestly, I don't. And I had a real big struggle coming out of this movie like the last time because I love everything that happens, but I'm afraid that I love it all because of Caesar, because I see it as like, one per like one well, character you do. study. You do. So I'm yeah, just really afraid do. to like follow any like even if it's Caesar's son, I just won't. I right. feel like I have that same connection. I mean, even though you get you get Andy Serkis to play whatever age you want, really. So like he could play Maurice in the next one for all I care, but I don't know. I yeah. get I get worried. I, get I don't worried. know for me, Maurice is the best character. I just I mean, there's so much more of this world you can do. Yeah, that's yeah. why. Uh, no, they will. And also Rocket, I do love when Rocket was like, I know what it's like to lose a son, yeah. and that's yeah. why he, he... There are a lot of really great moments in that last movie. Mm -hmm. um, so I thought the whole series, as a winter trilogy rather, got better. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. I, uh, I think I thought the movies progressively got better. Um, 
both in um, from both sides of it, like the ape and human side, like the the story that they both had, mm. I thought was just increased and more intense and um, had more weight to everything that they were doing um, by the time they got to the end of it. And I like to think that's hard to do for a trilogy because, like, you know, I mean, at least for me, the second one is usually the best. It was in Lord of the Rings and it was in Star Wars and it was in The Godfather and stuff. It's harder to get better with every movie to improve, but I think they did do that. Um, it helps when you start out where they did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's it's no, that's it's true. Help. That's very true. <laughs> um, you the, set the bar low so you can hurt them. Yeah, it's <laughs> true. I mean, um, yeah, I think that uh, the last movie was the best. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. What do you got for a grade? I, I'm stuck between like an 8.5 and a 9. Yeah. Towards 8.5. Yeah. Um, maybe a 9. I don't know. That's kind of tough for me. Uh, I gave it a 9. Um, ten? Yeah, ten. Yeah. Yeah. I knew it. Yeah. It's tough for me to give away tens. I live in a world where like nothing's ever perfect. So. Yeah. Right. And and you know, but I don't think little flaws here and there are yeah. what would give it a nine. But it's still story wise, it still you know hits the mark. It's all, all the nece- necessary plot points and. Right. I'm the same way where I don't think any movie is perfect, but we're talking this topic for this episode if you ever get to the end of this part, um, <laughs> is our favorite trilogy. So I right. think your favorite yeah, right. so, movie, you right. could give a 10 to. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. So, right. Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, well, Dark Knight's probably a 10, no matter what. But <laughs> Well, that's a different trilogy, so yeah. we're not there. Uh, yeah, so, why do you make that your trilogy? So <laughs> we should, um, we'd like to hear from them. If uh, you have your trilogy, yeah. What's your favorite trilogy? Why? Why is it better than our trilogy? Yeah. Uh, you know, let me know. Send us an email. Let us know what you thought. Why you liked our trilogy? We do have uh, more. Uh... Oh, do we want to talk about just uh, wrap up these trilogies? Yeah. Please? So we're gonna give a high score, but I want to talk real quick before we do our scores. Rewatchability, real quick. We don't have to give it a score. Um, or well, just one to ten. How how often you'd rewatch them? Uh, ten obviously being you'd rewatch it all the time. One being you don't plan to rewatch it. Mm. Um, so Star Wars rewatchability for me is a ten on that. It's just one that I can put in and watch and never have to worry about. Um, for me, it'd probably be an eight, just because I re- I do rewatch the prequels more than I watch the. Uh, well, that makes sense for you. Um, I'm gonna I mean I'm gonna dip on this and say that uh, rewatchability for Star Wars movies probably like a seven maybe even lower uh only because when i watch them i want to watch all of them i'm going to take a gratuitous mm-hmm. amount of time and my scores would be low pretty much across even for lord of the rings but mm-hmm. for star wars like it just, they take a lot of time and i like the movie so much that i kind of like to watch them i don't mm-hmm. want to you know put them on and do something else mm-hmm. um, yeah these are sitting stairs for mm-hmm. yeah absolutely i understand that but for me it's <laughs> star wars uh, and that's obviously my favorite so that's why i could just rewatch it all the time and I, you know, I, I have. Mm. Um, the Lord of the Rings trilogy, rewatchability for you? Yeah, probably the same thing, seven. Yeah. Six or seven. Um, they're, it's, they're really long, and you have to pay attention because um, they jump all over the place. So <laughs> you can't just, like, I've rewatched them a lot of times, don't get me wrong, but, like, I'm much more likely to rewatch a standalone movie or, mm. you know, something that's a little bit more succinct. Right. An uh, easy watcher. Um, I go all the way down to, like, a four. I think I've seen them once in between seeing them the first time and seeing them now. I think 
after watching them this last time though, it would jump up to like a six. Um, because I connected to it a lot more this time with the Aragorn mm-hmm. stuff and all that. So I think I'm more susceptible to rewatch it now. So that I understand a little bit more what's going on too. Right. For me, um, I'm going to go five for mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings trilogy because like, there's just so much in yeah. there. Like, it's daunting. I, can, exactly put, say, yeah, I, I can put on like Star Wars and watch that and still do other things. But I can't can't do that with Lord of the Rings mm-hmm. because it's just there's so much information. They're so long, and like I don't know when the last time I even saw them was, and I don't know when the next time I'll watch them again is. And mm-hmm. it's not because I don't like them because I I love them. I think they're great. It's mm-hmm. just there's so much and they're so hard to get through. Yeah, all of them. So so I have to give it five. Just a quick question: Did you watch read the books before you saw the movies? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I was very like prolific reader when I was young. Like yeah. I read a lot when I was. So I think that plays into the you know being more susceptible to because it's something you had to at least uh, like an anticipation for too. Yeah, so absolutely. you put that in aspect into it. All right, and then Plan DX trilogy, rewatchability. Um, I've only seen the whole trilogy twice. Um, once the first time I watched it, mm-hmm. and then once the get prepped for this episode, I think that, I don't know, i probably like a four or five. I'm not like stoked to watch them again or anything, but I'll probably dip back to the series if they come out and expand on the universe. So, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, for me, probably an eight. I mean, I saw Don multiple times in theaters. I saw War, I think, four times in theaters, and then I've seen it for this, and... I do like if I'm in on a movie. You fanboy much? Watch. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, for me, well, it's uh, probably a six, no. uh, and not for lack of enjoyment, just because. Um, Anytime I started the trilogy, and I watched the first movie. I might not watch the next. <laughs> yeah, yeah, see. But I'm, I don't know. Yeah, I, that's it's why, just, it's but, just not my favorite trilogy. I yeah. appreciate everything that they did. I, I enjoy it. I'm trying I to just, think. Like I think that that's myself, a solid score. Four or five, because. Uh, like what even thinking about trilogies what am i more likely to watch you know lord of the rings back to the future mm-hmm. star wars term like there's a lot of trilogies that come to my right. mind that i would be like all right i'll sit down and watch those first yeah and this is one also fresh in my head now so like i gotta go through some other stuff before i watch this again right yeah. okay. but i noticed i said the last two the first one i would give the rewatchability probably like a three because yeah. i don't rewatch it all the time if it's on tv and it's semi-close to the well, end you memorized sequence. it while i was in theater so <laughs> right like like for the lord of the rings if somebody told me every 10 years i could rewatch it it might be a bigger rewatchability mm. but because it's so much it's like i don't need to rewatch it anytime soon mm. <laughs> like yeah. you know what i mean but every 10 years yeah i could do that yeah. rewatchability would be great for that um all right, so overall scores, did you tally them up? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sure. All right. So, not, but that's fine. Mine actually surprised me. So, for me, Star Wars was. Uh, which one do you want? I can do Star Wars. That's fine. Right, I just figured we start with what we started yeah, with. Right. So, Star Wars, I got 27. I got uh, 25. I got 25.5. 77.5. 77.5 overall for that. And then the Lord of the Rings. Um, I got a 26. I got a 26. Uh, I got 9 plus 8 is 17 plus 8 is... Did I score Lord of the Rings the lowest? I think so. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. I got, wait, 9 plus 8 is 17 plus 8 is 25. 
Yeah, yeah I did score more than anybody else. <laughs> it's your favorite trailer game? Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a very critical person. That's all. That's, that's all. Uh, 77. Seven. And then... Uh, uh, War for the Planet of the Apes, yeah, or uh, the Planet of the Apes. Yeah, I got, uh, 27.5. I got 24. I got a 23.5. 75. 75. I can't believe right. I did that. Can I change my green? <laughs> <laughs> Alright, so looks like overall we all agreed that these are great trilogies. And yeah. We could Rewatch them. Our, we're talking our, about we're talking about a three points right here. Right. Our cumulative scores are Star Wars with a seventy-seven point five, Lord of the Rings with a seventy-seven, and then the uh, Planet of the Apes with a seventy-five. So yeah. they're all really close. We all really enjoyed these clearly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, what's what would be what would be our max score total for us? Well, if if you did, it would have been 10, 20, 20 30. It would have been 90. Would have yeah, been 90. 77.5 yeah. out of 90. Yeah. That's not bad. You only lose 12 and a half points. Right. Yeah. Not bad at all. Um, yeah, when I was doing out the math, I was just very surprised. One movie, so. <laughs> right. <laughs> I was surprised Lord of the Rings outscored uh, Star Wars for me. Surprised. I'm surprised. <laughs> Everything else outscored. <laughs> uh. Okay, so that was the ending of the trilogies, as you guys saw. Um, we were neck and neck between our uh, me and Eli's two trilogies. Uh, <laughs> Angels, <three>. Angels trilogy <laughs> coming in two points for a guys. few points behind, like thirteen <laughs> points behind. And it's really, I mean, I, yeah, I think that goes to show. I mean, there's Planet of the Apes, not that great. Um, <laughs> yeah, the movies are no. All the movies were excellent. Uh, I really enjoyed this exercise. Well, I hope watching. all of you enjoyed it as well, and we recommend that you do take some time and do things like that. Uh, revisit your favorite movies because they're your favorite movies for a reason, and um, you always catch something new. Yeah, and and talking about it with with others like it really helps to to shape perspective of. Of each movie and and be like oh yeah I didn't think about that one or in that way and you know it helps to look at it with new eyes yeah so. and I think you know part of the the fun of being film fans and being in this space is just having questions like that what's your favorite trilogy yeah. what's your favorite this movie because there's so many different categories and subcategories you could go down any rabbit hole you choose absolutely and, I mean uh, we talked for days just trying to figure out what constituted a trilogy mm -hmm. and then like rattling off the you know dozens of trilogies mm -hmm. that are excellent <laughs> you know the godfather back, uh, to the future. back to the future i mean listen we want to hear from you guys what's you know what's your favorite trilogy Despicable um, yeah toy story that's toy story and there's some really good animated trilogies yeah. you know talk to us on twitter Leave us pictures on Instagram. We're on all those at, at filming you in with the U. Don't spell out you. We're lazy. Please talk to us. We have a poll up about it on Twitter. Um, I put one out already. We're going to do it again so you guys can keep talking to us. And then please leave comments telling us what your favorites are because, you know, obviously not everybody's going to have the same trilogies, but we like to hear what other people think about theirs and, and tell us why you think they're the best trilogy. And maybe at some point we'll revisit those movies as well. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking Good. of revisiting old movies, mm -hmm. that's that what we we're love, doing. Yeah. That we all love to the tens. Uh, <laughs> we're about to find out how much we really love 
this particular movie, and that is The Dark Knight, Batman The Dark Knight, uh, written by Christopher Nolan and Jonathan Nolan, directed by Christopher Nolan, starring, you know who? Uh, starring Christian Bale. Uh, oh, man, he lost the, Morgan Freeman. He lost uh, uh, Heath Ledger in his... Heath Ledger, Heath Commissioner Ledger. Gordon. Uh, <laughs> Aaron Eckhart. Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman. <laughs> and and hey, Jake's favorite, Christian. Maggie Gyllenhaal. I got the... Uh, what were you going to say that? Michael you going to say it right off the bat like that? <laughs> he, uh, no, I mean, listen, at least I got Morgan Freeman. This guy stopped. Okay. <laughs> Christian Bale. Okay, Christian Bale. You were ready to go Christian on Bale list. and that's who plays Who plays your fist? Oh, Harvey Dent. Ah, exactly. Aaron Eckhart. You I remember Harvey. that name. Yeah, where he Exactly. I tried to give him. It was an easy one. It was oh, late, oh, but I get what you're trying to do. I see oh, what you're trying to do. I remember right. names. At least and David Dismolchin, who was also in Ant Man. Good and news is, uh, we didn't call everybody Sean this time. Yeah. That's the good news. Not yet, anyways. <laughs> we'll see. There's still plenty of time. That's good. Actually, Sean Bean was one of the cops that died in. Alright, so, I mean, listen, we're going to pick up... Quiet. We're going to pick up... <laughs> he would have died in the first movie, do you know it? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. We're going to pick up this middle movie. It's kind of weird, you know, this is a trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, so it's only fitting that we end up the trilogies with then uh, one of our favorite, you know, trilogy movies. So The Dark Knight obviously was an amazing... I mean, it broke IMDb. It changed the way that we look at, like, look at movies. It blew up as a summer blockbuster absolutely raved about film mm-hmm. and uh i mean possibly i mean one of christopher nolan's best films yeah you cannot hate on this movie for any of those things i mean it absolutely i mean it smashed imdb it did, like destroyed, <laughs> destroyed right. the internet yeah well, you know broke box office records at the yep. time uh as well which you know i don't i don't think they expected that when no. it, they expected it to do well, but no. it just, I think well, I think that there's sore. a lot of reason. I mean, obviously, we're you know we're going to touch on the fact that Heath Ledger died, yeah. uh, before the movie was released, mm-hmm. and I think that that literally rocketed the movie into the stratosphere mm-hmm. for that time. I mean, yeah, was, that definitely helped yeah. to to propel it forward. Aside from it being a, a overall excellent movie, yeah. yeah but no, I'm I'm just talking about his performance oh. on, on top of it. Like, listen, only second to a Night's Tale best performance. <laughs> Don't ever want to hear that sentence oh, come out of your mouth wow. again. That is I've not actually a seen sentence. A Night's Tale. I, I saw that in theaters. I'm not gonna lie. I've seen A Night's Tale uh, more times than I've oh, seen The Dark Knight. God. That movie is hilarious. Oh, hilarious. That's that is good. like Brian Helgeland's worst movie too. It's not okay. It's not. I just remember it was. But we're not talking about Night's, The Night's Tale. Yeah, thank, thank God. Maybe the time. I really enjoyed that movie. I thought it was hilarious, but. He yeah, was a really good well, actor. It was supposed to be as funny as you thought it was. Yeah, well, that's part of that's part that's of being able to enjoy a movie is being able to enjoy some of the badness of a movie. But yeah. we'll get to that my my movie watching technique another time. <laughs> this movie, um, I mean, it's re- it almost makes it even more of a tragedy that you know Heath Ledger passed away. Mm-hmm. And like this was this would have been just. An insanely breakout performance for Heath Ledger yeah. had he stayed alive. I mean, I don't know if you even call it a breakout performance. Right. It's not like he was a second, uh, a big actor or anything. Right. Well, he wasn't because he'd also come off of Brokeback Mountain, right. which you know had propelled him forward huge. He was, you know, he when he first came over from Australia, he was a teen heartthrob, and um, 
What's the, the movie with Julia Stiles? I can't think of it. Um, I don't know. Yeah. 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 No. Holy Ten things I hate about you? Ten things I hate about Is that it? Yeah, that's the one. Where he was the... You know, the... Oh, yeah. The yeah. love interest for yeah. her. And he's really hot in that movie. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and you... And I just hope that he would become more than that because I was like, this guy's actually pretty and good. And he did. Funny. And he did. Yeah. In, in a big way. And that's why. And, and you see, like, watching his performance yeah. in, in The Dark Knight, you're like... I mean, first you saw in in uh, the one with Jake Gyllenhaal, I just Brokeback broke back mountain. mountain. You see what he can do, and then you see the total opposite side yeah. in this in this movie. It's just that, you can't stop watching him in this. Yeah, I mean, it's completely different. I mean, the level of just insanity, like right. like we're talking about, like this, like the psychotic, narcissistic, sociopathic, like person that he plays in this movie. This like I don't even know nihilistic anarchist. <laughs> like right. he's he's, he's in, 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 and he does such a good job of capturing the mental instability of this person. Right, and it's it's funny you use the word narcissistic, and he is, but he's also really not yeah. because he's not really doing it for himself and not care about like the way others view. But on one hand, he kind of is. Yeah. So... No, he writes the line really well. Right. Yeah. Like, he's totally... Like, it's a big show. Like, watch the big show. But, yeah. I can see what you're saying. But at the same time... He's not always the front seat man. Right. Exactly. He's like, I don't care. Like, the point is to not even have them notice me. Yeah. Yeah. Like, but he does have those moments where, you know, he says, Gotham deserves a higher class of criminal, and I'm going to give it to him. Right. Absolutely. you're You're like, come on, that's... Such like but, uh, such gold. Yeah. yeah, and his whole turn though is to not be that. Exactly. Right. And but you can also take that when he says that as they deserve a better class of criminal and I'm gonna give it to him and he did give it to him by creating Harvey. the two yeah, Harvey Dent and Two Face. Yeah. That only would have like I don't know, it would have if he would have lived, the next one he would have made the Riddler and made the you know, uh Doctor Freeze or whatever. Like Doctor Freeze. Mr. Freeze. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Come on. He was guys. a doctor though. I'm just trying to get listen, the man went to school. Right. Yeah. I, I agree with what you're saying. Like he paved the way for the criminals to only become more volatile and, yeah. and more um, uh, angsty, I guess, is, is a word choice, but to just push the boundaries even further than what because he was doing. even in the first, in Batman Begins, the villain, Ra's al Ghul, is not so much a deranged... Like, Batman's rogues gallery is great because they're all deranged, psychopathic, just different mental illnesses across the board, but... Uh, you start out with Ra's al Ghul, who's calculated, cold. He has a crazy vision. Not a lot of depth. But yeah, just kind of like he not not that uh, he didn't do they didn't do a good job acting his character, but like his character in general doesn't have a ton of depth. He's very yeah. He, very just, he had a mission. One, tried to do the mission. Yeah, he sees it and he sees it totally black and white. Right. That's Ra's al Ghul. It's like either you you do this or you do it this, and that was that. Yeah. But with the uh, and with the Joker, I think it's indicative of. In the movie, he says to Batman, "Like you started this, like you, like mm-hmm. when you came out." Yeah, no, I it's think, never gonna stop. Yeah, because Razagul was a villain before Batman, and now we see the first villain post Batman in the Dark Knight, right. and the, and in the Joker and Harvey Dent, and now we see you yeah. know, the different. The yeah, different. Alfred says it to him. You you push them back first. Yeah. You know, you you 
you caused this to happen by starting to take away what they were uh, able to, to accomplish being villains, mm-hmm. you know, not just him, like, uh, not just Razagul, rather, uh, but Falcone, like, his whole organized crime, well, Falcone's now in jail, so we have to, but we're not going to stop, we got to keep yeah. going, and we'll keep moving forward. What's crazier than organized crime? Unorganized crime. Yeah, you know what I mean? and that's yeah. what the Joker brings, chaotic, chaotic crime. Overall, I mean, uh, I was kind of, it's kind of sad that they left it at a trilogy and didn't kind of expand, and we didn't get a few more of those classic uh, classic villains. In that show. But yeah, I mean, still such an excellent trilogy. It, yeah. And and I agree with you, but at the same time, I'm like, I'm happy they stopped. Because well, a lot of those people are like classically campy. Right. Like, might have they might have made the series turn in a way that didn't. Right. They didn't want to. They kind of kept like some of the darkest or maniacal uh, villains with Bane and Two-Face and the Joker. Right. Um, Ra's al Ghul being, you know, obviously the same same thing, cold. Um, but it was, they did a really good job with it. And I would have liked to see them try to do a darker version of the Riddler. Like, yes. You know, mm-hmm. something like sinister. I think, yeah. that, I think that, something other than that Jim Carrey would have went down if if he stayed. Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, you know, there was already the thoughts of possibly Penguin happening. Mm-hmm. Which, right. Which, um, despite, you know, Batman Returns happening with Penguin, I mean, the first Batman had the Joker, too, so you just yeah. revisit these classic bad guys who you can continuously revisit. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're great. They're yeah. They're really great uh, villains. Especially when you visit them in a different light like that. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the beauty of, and I think it's so easy to do in comics because comics as an art form has been just different artists and directors, writers, I mean, yeah, uh, taking, yeah, yeah. taking different runs on it and mm-hmm. just a different different view. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad Heath Ledger didn't pull a nine foot revolver out of his pants and shoot down the Right. But at that time for that movie, that was so good. And yeah. hilarious. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It was so perfect for that yeah. movie. But it would not have worked at all in this movie. No, yeah, no. I mean, no, uh, no offense meant to uh, the previous Joker. I thought that that was an excellent, yeah, excellent rendition of that as well. Right. Batman has quite an extensive history, and they did a really good job, kind of taking it somewhere that it hasn't been before, and just seeing kind of like really seeing the dark and more tortured side of not tortured tormented side of Batman and his struggle that you actually get to see a lot in the comics if you do read the comics um, which they don't touch on as much in the other movies right uh yeah the whole the whole arc that Batman has alright so the whole overall arc in this movie is can the Joker actually turn you know a good guy into a bad guy I mean he says it he says it right at the beginning his opening line is I believe whatever doesn't kill you simply makes you stranger. You know, and he changes the the classic phrase from I believe whatever doesn't stronger. kill you only makes you stronger. This is simply makes you stranger. And you see that in that sentence alone, that's his whole purpose. Yeah. Like he is how far can you become a stranger to who you used to be? Mm. And that's where he's forcing the line to go. He's forcing that to go with, you know, with Batman. He's forcing it to go with, with Harvey Dent. He's forcing it to go with the mobsters. Like, everybody. He's pushing every single line, you know, and then, of course, 
the whole city itself. Mm-hmm. Like, how far will they go? He says it again later when, when the chips are down. Uh, all these civilized people will eat each other. Mm-hmm. You know, so everything he's doing is literally to push that boundary to show Batman how much you are going to change and how much everybody's going to change. And he does that. Yeah. I mean, I, I can't think of another movie, superhero movie, where the the bad guy wins as as overall, but then turns the hero into the villain. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I mean, there's no way for Batman to win really at the end. By right. the time, by the time it's all said and done, I mean Batman like constantly is questioning, and compromising his own moral standard and what's right and what's wrong, and mm-hmm. uh, pushing himself further and further and further, or being pushed by the Joker further and further and further. Uh, by the end of the movie, I mean, there's, there's no. The Joker's kind of thought of everything in his own crazy way, and there's no way for Batman to win at the end. Like yeah. he ends up, you know, having to be the scapegoat. Right, and not only, not only just having to be the scapegoat, but he can't save everybody mm-hmm. on top of it. You know, he couldn't save Harvey Dent from the Joker's plan to turn Harvey Dent. Yep, he couldn't save Rachel. He couldn't save. All but he also cops. learns. He also learns a valuable lesson because at the end, when they're in the two boats, he learns that sometimes people save themselves. Right. He doesn't need to be there. He doesn't need to be there to save everybody. They can. They can save. Be their own saviors. Yeah. So. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, overall, the movie is good. There's some not as fun things that I. Um. Yeah. Overall, the movie was excellent. <laughs> There we go. That's the answer we're looking for. There were some things that I didn't like. All right. Well, no. Talk about what you didn't like. Talk about what you didn't like. It's been 10 years. It's safe. I didn't like Maggie Gyllenhaal's performance. Even watching it again. I've probably only seen this movie like three times. Um, I don't watch. I don't rewatch movies very often. There's a few of them that I'll like serial watch. Um, But this is like a very dark and brooding and you kind of must watch it when you watch it. So I haven't seen it that many times. Maybe four. Now, total. Uh, but I still don't enjoy Maggie Gyllenhaal's. Now, what exactly is it about her performance that you don't? So like? I said I, I said it before, we're right? I know, but now it feels very. She's oh, just the acting of it just feels so much over the top, almost like matrimonial, like the way that she like almost every line she says is like she's giving vows, like it's not. It's there's no like up and down to what anything that she talks about, yeah. and it just like is. Oppressive. <laughs> I don't know if that's the right way to say it, but she's just, ugh. And then, I mean, I kind of like, I don't know, I don't know if they did it on purpose because you kind of almost like the fact that she's going to be, she's like this, oh, I know they're coming to save me. Like, but obviously Batman's going to save me and I'm dead. And then, like, gets blown up and you're like, actually, okay, that's kind of relieving. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if they did it on purpose. And if they did, then, like, you accomplished such an excellent goal because. <laughs> You sold it. Because you sold it. <laughs> I mean, but. I, I'm not going to attack you on that because I I agree. I think for me, the weakest part of the movie is Rachel Dawes. I don't know if it's Maggie Gyllenhaal's performance or combined with the fact of the recasting and it kind of like, I don't know, coming. It's, it plays it, off a little it's weird. Really, it's not even just the recasting because it really is this first movie, the second movie, because I've thought about it before. And I didn't hate Rachel Dawes as much in the first movie, um, and it's it's not that I just hate Maggie Gyllenhaal. It's not, when they go into the second movie, it's almost like you won't like they want you to not like her. Um, in the first movie, like she kind of 
has a little bit of this mm-hmm. like standoffish nature to her, but it's not like she's more endearing in the first movie. And I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's just the way the lines are delivered, but it's kind of, ugh, I, you know, I always like the barrel scene where she gets blown up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I like yeah. the barrel scene for a different reason of uh, the, the birth of uh, Harvey Dent, but yeah, I mean, it, it's, we're not losing anything after she's gone. Yeah. I think that they close up her story arc nicely when Alfred burns the letter that she wrote to Bruce and everything. Even the letter was like not even all that nice. Like, yeah, she was like, uh, "I'm leaving." It is, it is an emo- it, like it gives it describes how well she understands like Bruce. Mm-hmm. Um, that how he'll never he'll, he'll always need Batman, um, and how their two characters have kind of been intertwined and, and they're inseparable, um, and how he'll never really have room in his life for her, but. I I think everything you're saying, I don't disagree with any of it. Um, And I feel like Rachel Dawes' character is written to be taken out. Right, that's what I said. It's not like they're not, it's not, it's on purpose that you don't like her as much. follow, Follow me. She's the whole time. She knows she doesn't want to be with Bruce Wayne anymore, right? She pretty much knows it. You see, it was a little back and forth with the kiss, but I don't, I don't, I didn't buy that she wanted to be with him. Yeah, I never bought that she wanted to be with him. I bought this whole time she didn't know how to tell him that she no longer wants to be with him because he is trying to stop being Batman to be with her. And she didn't know how to say, I don't want to be with you. You can continue to be Batman. I would go a step further and say that she didn't know if she wanted him to not be Batman, to be with her or not. Because even in that moment when... See, uh, I don't think she cared. When they're in the... When they're in the... Uh, the fundraising gala dinner and Harvey Dent's like, no, let's get serious. Like, what's your answer? Like, do you really want to be with me? And she's like she has that like I don't know moment and you kind of I for me I feel that she's thinking about Bruce in that moment like, see what, I don't and maybe not necessarily um, I still love Bruce but what's it going to do to Bruce if I'm like you know let's get married right which yeah. is why she doesn't tell him right away mm-hmm. which is why I'm saying the whole time she's looking for a way to tell him because she doesn't want to be with him right, yeah. and in that moment where are they as well they're in Bruce Wayne's penthouse and you want to talk about marrying right now like this is not the time to discuss this he's actually trying to do something nice for you like we don't need to discuss this in Bruce Wayne's penthouse you know when when they go outside and talk they have that moment and she's like nice job basically said asshole to to Bruce Wayne being Mm -hmm. like don't you don't need to come and mock him and Mm -hmm. he's like I'm not and she's I think in that moment is really when she's like Okay, he he's grown up finally, which I've been waiting for this whole time. But I don't really want to be with him anymore. And I and he now he's telling me he wants to end this Batman thing to be with me. And how do I say no? I can't just come out and say it to him right now right. in this way. So okay. that that's how I took her character. I agree with you that it was heavy handed and that 
it wasn't the best performance. And I know I razz you with stuff mm-hmm. like that. No, and it's not. It's it's by no means even indicative really of Maggie Gyllenhaal's performance capabilities. No, I know. I was just razzing you earlier because I like to get a rise out of you. But that's why I said we'll talk about it later. <laughs> at the end, <laughs> at the end of the day, moving on. That almost makes me more mad. The uh, at the end of the day, when we we move forward from that, there's one other problem that I have. Well, I, it's probably there's probably a few things. The more I watch the movie, that I would pick out. But the other problem I had was when. Jim Gordon catches the Joker, mm. and he's like, "We got him!" When he's talking to Harvey Dent, and that's at the end of like this chase scene, and like they just kill dozens of cops and civilians <laughs> in the chase scene, and like they just tore up the entire city and blew stuff up, and things are like destroyed. And I kind of understand like his singular focus in that moment, but he's all, he's a little bit too happy. After the chaos and destruction that's just happened to have gotten the Joker. Is he? Desperate times? Or is he happy because now all that chaos and destruction can finally end? Yeah, I mean, I I get it. Like, I get the excitement part. It's just like, that, like, it's almost like the movie wanted you to forget that, like, I don't know. People well, just, I mean, that's a, people just that's a superhero movie thing in yeah. general. Like, they only make. Super- oh, you're absolutely movie. right about that. I mean, Superman destroys, like, a large portion of Metropolis and probably killed hundreds of. Hundred thousand, not thousands of people. Right, and it only <laughs> right. But here's the here's the deal with all superhero movies. None of that matters until it matters in the next movie. Yes, right. or when you're know, signing the Sokovia War. Right, because <laughs> right, all that didn't matter. It didn't matter when they destroyed everything in, yeah. in uh, the Avengers until the next movie. And like, oh, that's when it matters. So, and then it starts to matter in the Dark Knight. Like, like uh, I don't know specifically, like. If the destruction or the the amount of money we cost is a, is a focal point, but it is it is still about like we have to stop dest- destroying things. Like they still yeah. they start mentioning that you know in the next movie. It's always the next movie where where uh, that kind of thing matters at all. Yeah, and I do like the whole because I see how they they do put as opposed to other superhero movies where like it's big collateral damage. Uh, like in the interrogation scene, he says, uh, "You didn't disappoint. You let five people die." Mm-hmm. And like they treat that as like a very big number, you know? What yeah, I mean? but then in but, like a couple scenes later, it's, it's, no, that's yeah. no, that's just after the scene where like they right, that's just caught. Yeah, they just, just that. He's like, "You let five people die," and that they, he's putting that on Batman because Batman right, but didn't I, turn I think those are like the, the people he like right. put the hit on and like, yeah. like actually killed. Um, but, yeah, I just, like, focusing on smaller numbers makes it feel more intimate, mm-hmm. makes it feel, you know, right. like, more stakes when you have a whole boatload of people or a hospital An full of people. Truck that full of SWAT. That. <laughs> <laughs> just drowned in the It was just one the guy in the thing. <laughs> and I love how he was like, oh, no, the, 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 he's shooting a shotgun, and the shotgun bullets are, like, Going piercing through, through the yeah, thing. And it's like, oh, this is built for that kind of stuff. This is, there's holes in it's the actually, thing. Actually, it's actually built to take a lot more than that. I've never heard of armor-piercing shotgun, uh, you know, armor piercing shot. It's not even slugs. They're they're freaking, they're freaking frags. Uh, yeah. Actual uh, like the pellets. Yeah, pellet yeah. pellet shot. Like they're mm-hmm. not bird shot, but I'm thinking something else. All right. Well, because they're the the they're spread out. Yeah, right? but they wouldn't go through. No, no, I'm not no. saying they would. I'm, Which is, I'm I, saying I mean, I get it's a cool movie effect because you mm-hmm. get the light that comes through or anything, but it's kind of silly. <laughs> I know. I mean, I don't know. We're talking about the minutia things. That's mm-hmm. like a movie sins kind of 
Well, I mean, channel. yeah, every every, like every action movie, movie yeah. like there's not an action movie out there that has been. Yeah, I mean, just count how many bolts are in the clip. Right. <laughs> right. So that's like, an action movie. Like, oh, that's realistic. Yeah. <laughs> like, no. Well, I mean, first off, you're watching like in any action movie. I'm not, I'm not just talking about you watching The Dark Knight in like any action movie, like Tom Cruise hanging off of yeah, a helicopter and when he drives the car. Like, uh, and what is not Fallout? The one. Is it not Rogue Nation? The one right before that. Ghost Protocol. Ghost Protocol. He drives the car in the car park and straight down oh, at first into the like four stories <laughs> down. And he's just like, yeah. I'm gonna right. get out of the car now. Right. Exactly. That's the kind of thing that I'm saying. There's so much un- unreal mm. happenstance that uh, occurs in in any action right. movie, and it's even more heightened in any um, superhero movies. Oh yeah. In every superhero movie, it's extra heightened because you're in a world of superheroes now, like. If you can live in a world of superheroes and just suspend your belief, then suspend your belief in, in this for us, please. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I'm not saying just you. No, I'm saying in general. No, like, yeah, that's, that's, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. Idea. Like, listen, if you want to start a Sintelli, like, you can rack them up on right. like, every, anybody. Yeah, mm-hmm. I mean, let's, let's look at... Um, oh, man, I had a movie in my head and I just lost it. Never mind. Uh, there goes that. Yeah, that's good. <laughs> well, that's great. The, uh, no, but I mean, I don't know. Listen, well, back to the movie overall. Uh, absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and I think it changed the game for a lot of um, superhero movies that came afterwards. Mm. Yeah, I think it kind of, I mean, it like reignited uh, a whole side of the superhero genre that came afterwards. Um, I think it, it took, it like put gasoline on top of the fire that was already kind of brewing. Right, and it took, and it took the idea of a lot of, um, Superhero movies were a little bit more popcorn fluff mm-hmm. until you know this this trilogy in particular is the one that really said, "What if we put real world stakes into these movies? Mm-hmm. Like instead of just making them big and loud and fun and, and all of that, what if we gave them real life stakes? Because everything the Joker." stood for and talks about is something that is continual in the world that we actually live in as well. Mm-hmm. Like there's people who, who do this kind of thing, maybe not obviously to this grand type of scale, but there might be as well that I don't even know about. Like I'm not, I'm not a world traveler in terms of knowing what everybody's doing all the time. Yeah. So, but you, you look at, um, just the real world stakes of everything. Like, the idea of people being pushed to a limit and how far will they go before they snap and, and do something that they couldn't like Ramirez, her whole her whole thing was um My mom's hospital. Right. They I had no choice. They got me when I was young. My mother's in the hospital and yeah. and, and our dad, you know, two faces like, Don't I don't wanna hear that because yeah. he's like everybody has problems. Right. But some people deal with their problems better than other people and some people will will force their problems onto other people. In, in that way of um, driving them to the wrong spot because you were told to and well you're gonna listen now because I owe them yeah yeah um, I think uh, no I, I was gonna say that uh, we, he was talking more about her relationship with just the dark underworld in general and what life had pushed her to but it's kind of always been the Batman and Joker uh, this dichotomy between the two characters of mm-hmm. pushing each other mm-hmm. I mean, he says it to him. Yeah. And he's yeah. like, you can't kill me, uh, and I won't kill you. Yeah. Right, because we're destined to do this forever. 
which which is, is really in that moment you can tell that's his dream. Like yeah. that's yeah. what he wants. And right. He just wants to play these games forever mm-hmm. with real life stakes and yep. and it's just it's great. It just huh. because it's the most realistic way to break down because it's based on comic books, right? And I don't know when you really boil it down, the bad guys are just there to be the bad guys. You know what I mean? Yeah. And this is the most real world application mm-hmm. of that sentiment of like, listen, these guys are going to be like this for forever and there's no stopping and we're just going to keep doing it. Yeah. Till you stop consuming it. Right. He's a real, real life bad guy mm-hmm. that, you know, could be out and about right now. Yeah. Whereas, you know, someone like, um, you know, obviously Loki is not gonna be a real life, or Zod is not gonna be a real life bad guy that that we could encounter. But the Joker is. Mm-hmm. That, that's a real life bad guy that that could appear yeah. on the street in front of you. Like when he says he likes gunpowder, gasoline, and yeah. bullets. Yeah, they're cheap, they're, and they're cheap. Yeah. yeah. Um. Just I wanted to look at it from the scope of like it's been ten years, right? That's why mm-hmm. we're talking about it. Um. I think that the significance and some of the things that it's done looking back now not only did it win Heath Ledger uh, a Best Supporting Actor nomination which for a comic book movie first time ever which was a huge step for the genre as a whole I think uh, we give a lot of credit to Marvel for doing the the process of is a superhero movie heist film superhero movie uh political thriller, superhero movie, putting the superhero movie in these different genres. And I think The Dark Knight, probably the only thing Marvel got from DC, um, is I think The Dark Knight was the first one to do like, all right, we're going to have a superhero crime movie. Like it's about the mob, like the mob. I don't know if I just wasn't paying attention as much, but the mob plays a huge role Mm. in this, in this movie. And I think, I think part of it is to show the dichotomy of the organized and unorganized crime and like the old is out and the new is in, but I think, uh, I think it plays very well. As you're saying, it's a whole, um, you know, uh, crime movie and it's very, uh, cat and mouse Mm -hmm. as well. Like not, not a, um, a chase heist movie, but a very cat and mouse, like, can you catch me before I get the cheese? Yeah. It's almost almost, like seven. It's almost, yeah, like a thriller. Right. Um, Inside of a superhero, mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I very, I very much enjoyed this movie. I thought that uh, there's so many different layers. And yeah. Things are always happening, and like the Joker's such a good architect. Um, even when like he looks like things are just poorly planned out, it's not. And like there's always just he's always just kind of like dancing one step ahead of Batman and the law, and kind of rubbing it in their face, mm-hmm. which is just. So good. It's always so good when brilliant. the villain is just leaps and bounds ahead ahead of the curve on everyone else. Look, okay, fun little question. What is your favorite Joker moment in the movie? Oh. I don't know if I can even narrow it down to one. Um, I thought you said the pencil scene was yours. No, no. Okay, that, so, that's a great speak moment. For me. The entrance is the entrance is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, yeah. yeah that opening that opening line for me. Well, it's technically not his opening line, but his his reveal line is one of my favorites. And um, I touched on that already. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like the better class of criminal part. Um, oh, since I asked, the money. yeah, since I asked the question, I guess I'll uh, go ahead. Yeah, you had uh, something. In yeah, a definite. Yeah, mind. I uh, for me, it's after the interrogation scene. We talked about while we're watching the movie, and it's I forget the character's name, but it's 
uh, Jim Gordon's like second in command or whatever. Oh right. Um, and he's just standing there watching the Joker, and he plays these mind games of like, you know, why I use a knife, and then he talks about how like he knows his friends better than he ever did, and then when he asks him, like he, you could just see him like playing this dude from the get go hit, especially because he's so adamant I'm not being played, and the Joker's still good enough to mm-hmm. just in a couple sentences just turn somebody on it on their head and like and it's a milder version of what he ends up doing later to uh to harvey dent of just like you know one of my favorite moments is i pointed it out to you during during the movie it's right after that when he escapes Mm. the jail and you know it's pretty much silent except for you hear the chord uh, you know the door, the the cord. Well, Hans Zimmer with the with the yeah, yeah. with the and James Newton Howard with the music and you know the Joker's theme is so intense the whole time. It really puts you on edge. Like when you hear that steady, and then it starts to go boop 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 boop. But so it's just that moment you hear that chord. He's escaping in the police car. He's in the back seat and he's sticking his head out the window and he's just shaking his head and he's like smiling. Yeah, it's just. Like he he knows that it's not over, and he hasn't won yet, but he's headed in the right direction because now he's the. So it's almost like the real game to him is now beginning, mm-hmm. because yeah. he knows what he just did with with Two Face. I'll go with the like uh, something that's more of a symbolistic theme to me. Uh, they talk about him being the Mad Dog, and. You know, Two-Face talks about finding who let the dog off the leash. And then you get to that final scene, that final fight with Batman. And just that moment where he's standing there with all the dogs and Batman comes up. And the dogs start attacking Batman. And then he charges in almost like a dog himself when he starts to get out Batman. And you're like, you're like, this guy, like, they just make that whole moment like, like, this this guy is just like a crazy primal animal at the end. Hmm. It's between that and when when uh, Gamble says to him, for me, between my moment, when Gamble says to him, you're crazy, and he says, no, I'm not. I'm not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the delivery on yes. that, the way he looks at him, the way he emphasizes the T yeah. at the end of not. Because yeah. like, he's out. not. Yeah. Like, he's not, but he is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's not crazy, he's insane. Right, because he knows exactly <laughs> what he's doing. He's not just some, you know, crazy guy who's, like, running on the street saying, oh, the world's going to end. Like, he has a plan to end it. I think I think it comes from, like, usually the smartest person in the room is usually, in everything we see, is a sane person. But the smartest person in this room is absolutely insane. And right. he's still super smart. So I, and just a step yeah. ahead, a step ahead. The whole time. Always. Right. After uh, after just going off at of that point uh, with the dogs, I, I do love when he's hanging and he's like, mm-hmm. you didn't think, going back to the Harvey Dent, that you didn't think I'd risk the soul right. for yeah. Yeah, this fight with you. Them. You think I'm that dumb? But he was all in uh, on that ahead, fight. Ahead of like, the step. Well, one step ahead, rather. Exactly. Literally, he says it to him. He's like, you can, I risk it in a fist, not fist fight with you. But he was all in on that fight. Yeah, he was willing to do it just because he knew it was coming. And I was like, I wouldn't do that. That's not the <laughs> end game. Like, yeah. come on, man. Like, how, how, how crazy do you have to be to go into it? Like, okay, most people, when they get into a physical altercation, it's because of circumstances. And at 
in some point you think you're gonna win. Only a crazy person would go or you have no choice and right? fight Brock Lesnar, just a regular guy, because like you know, <laughs> you're gonna lose. You usually wouldn't pick that fight, but he picks that fight does. and he wants that fight yeah. and he says, "I want you to do it. I want you to do it." <laughs> Which is another just because crazy. either way, even if he does die and the chaos is over. He's still right, and he right. changed Batman and got Batman to bring his right. Like, right, absolutely. And he wins no matter what. In the end, if he even had won the fist fight, he wouldn't have killed Batman. He would have yeah. just run away, and then mm-hmm. that would be it. And yeah. If Batman catches him and he gets locked up, then you know he just lives to play into the game another day. Yeah. You know, it, it's he wins no matter yeah. what. I think we're destined to do this forever. Yeah, yeah. and I love that final line um, about. Uh, Madness like gravity. Ma- yeah, madness. I was going to say craziness, but it's madness is like gravity. Uh, we both know all it needs is one good push. push. Yeah. I uh, I don't know. He's definitely the best. Uh, I mean, I, I'd say he's definitely the best villain in yeah. that, that particular Batman franchise. I in, in my opinion, I think he's the greatest uh, of the comic book villains that I've seen. I can't think of one that's actually better. No comment on that. I don't want to. I don't want to. I want to. I don't want to see that. He's really good, but like, I would have to go watch a whole bunch of movies. Well, I mean, if you've had ten years and you only seen this movie four times, we're gonna have to. Hopefully, we'll be doing this podcast for a long time. Before I meant like go back and watch a whole bunch more, like whole <laughs> bunch rewatch a whole bunch. Yeah, I think I could rewatch every single other movie, and I don't think that opinion would change because, like I said, I don't think there's a movie where. There's that much at stake for the hero as there is in this one. And I don't think there's ever been a hero. Yeah, exactly. I'm waiting on that, which I never thought I would see anyway. So, (laughs) uh, but that's why I said to this point, like, I can't think of another villain for me where, who has literally taken the hero out of who he is and made him lose every aspect and change who he is and make him the bad guy. I, I don't know where else it's happened. No. If anybody knows, let me know, and, and I'll watch that happily. Yeah, no, I don't think... I think in the scope of comic movies, hands out for me personally, hands down, mm-hmm. it's the best. When you open it up to all film, there's arguments. You know, Hans Gruber, yeah. there's Antasha Gore, there's mm-hmm. you know, a bunch of great villains. Uh, but for me, comic movies, hands down. I think number two, I think... Thanos might be number two for me, but still. I was gonna say, I don't Randy know, Jam. number number and two. And that was ten years was later. Like, uh, 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 Iron Man's battle with life. <laughs> like, <laughs> I was gonna say, what whiplash? Depression. <laughs> yeah, that's not a villain. That's life. I know. That's why I said. That's why I said it's not. They should make. They should make the this demon guy. in the bottle movie where he's just an alcoholic. Yeah, that's <laughs> why. After, after that's Infinity War, <laughs> like he just can't take it. Oh, man. Pepper leaves him. He's just a drunk. <laughs> it's that party scene played over and over again. So less people are in there. Yeah, it's just, just him. In yeah. his suits. Just him in his suits. He gets drunk and destroys him every night. And the then, house party you know, protocol. That's yeah. why the third one was. Alright, anyway. Um, any other thoughts? I, I feel like we could talk about this movie for a while. Yeah, so no, absolutely. But you guys have all seen the movie. Mm-hmm. We've now seen the movie again. Um, and you know, pay some love and respect to another great trilogy and, and another you know another excellent actor who's you know we've lost and uh, you know ten years later, the 
album still holds up yeah. really, really well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'm sure it will, you know, in ten another ten years. We, uh, when we revisit it in 2028, <laughs> when we're on a... Uh, when you're 25 I'm a gas station <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, when I'm 25. <laughs> yeah. Oh, well, the last thing I was going to say about the Joker is a lot of times in... Um, like comic book movies particularly the bad guy is always claiming um, I'm misunderstood you don't understand why I'm doing this mm. and in this they didn't claim that at all no they no reason no he and he knew he was the bad guy and he's like I'm the bad guy and I'm doing this because mm-hmm. like I'm gonna show you that anybody can be bad yeah. oh you know what? we haven't really talked we talked about this dichotomy Talk about Rachel Dawes. Just a shout out to uh, Morgan Freeman. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. As Lucius, Lucius Fox. Fox. Awesome. Yeah. And Alfred. Mm-hmm. Alfred. Also amazing. Yeah. Um, and they're like moments in this movie and in the whole trilogy. But like you know when Alfred's telling the story about the, the Burma, the Burma and the forest, and like how did they kill the guy who wanted to watch the world burn? Yeah. Who burned the forest? forest. Down. And I think it was the <laughs> most. I can't. It's been a long time since I've seen. Batman begin, but I can't remember him mentioning anything about being uh, not Spetsnaz. Yeah, not Spetsnaz. Uh, <laughs> that's what I said said earlier. But like special forces of some kind. Right, yeah. So it was just a super subtle way to just be like, hey, Alfred used to be a badass. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. And Lucius well, Fox, you know, being the honorable mm-hmm. one. Which, you know, I love me some honor. Right. Like I, I, if as long as this machine is here, I won't be. Mm-hmm. Well, you're a Gotham fan, right? No, I've actually never seen Gotham. Oh, it's a good show. Shut up. No, I swear. I, I, it, so I you should go watch Gotham because they play off of young Alfred being like a special forces guy in yeah, Gotham. Yeah, I he did, like kicks some ass and takes some names. So cool. I like and, that. And you should watch it. It's I actually just, pretty cool. I can, yeah. I can never get over the initial hump of starting a Batman show with never seeing like a full-fledged Batman. Well, because it's not a Batman show. I hear it's a show about things, Gotham. though. I hear the Joker that they have on there, or Joker well, Light, or whatever they're doing. It's a show Joker. about Gotham, not a show about Batman. I yeah. care about Gotham. Gotham City exists before Batman. It will exist after Batman. Yeah. But it takes away, like, okay, we talk about it in, the, in how this movie, like, and this is also a legacy thing of, like, in Avengers, uh, Age of Ultron, Vision says, like our, oh no, it's civil war. It's like our presence invites chaos. It like incites challenge. Right. And uh, it's funny that he says that because like his particular presence, having the mind stone in him, mm-hmm. is something that it will does invite quite a bit of chaos. Yeah, uh, just a little bit. And the the other one was uh, oh, I had both examples and they were very good, and now I lost them. But um, and now I lost the whole point. <laughs> That's terrible. (laughs) That's good. (laughs) Thank you, Angel. Oh, it was okay. There we go. The Last Jedi was also like the Dark Rises, the Light to Meet It, and Mm -hmm. just playing up that whole thing. I still forgot about that. I just remembered the second reference. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. That's good. (laughs) Even better. Anyway. Yeah, um, I just it, totally. Yeah, it's one of, this is always worth revisiting. Yeah, um, it's just one of those classic movies that, um, yeah, consistently holds up. Story is just really tight. Um, you even, I don't want to say you forget what happens because you don't, but 
you can kind of forget how um, harsh it is mm. in, in some aspects. Like, yeah. Gritty. Yeah. And raw. Totally yeah. raw. Still um, think he's second place to Bane. Really? No. <laughs> but I brought it up in the movie that like uh, Bane I like the third one and like when yeah. Bane takes out the bridges and tunnels mm-hmm. Joker does that with one sentence yeah right and like that's just where they ran yeah like I like Bane but fear yeah um the uh I would say that yeah I, I don't know I give the movie a 9 out of 10 um and if they ever put it back in the theaters go watch it in the theaters yeah. but if you haven't seen this movie, you're probably not listening to this podcast. So <laughs> if you, have, if you yeah. haven't seen this movie, go watch this movie. Yeah. And go watch all three of the movies. Yeah. You know, what are you doing with your life? Yeah. You watch, watch the, the first one. one. No, you have to. Go it's worth it. It's yeah. worth watching the progression of yeah. the movies themselves. Yeah. I think um, the first one makes the third one better, too. Are we all in agreement with that? Yeah. What, nine? Definitely go see it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, definitely. definitely. As soon as you can. Definitely. I'm surprised they didn't. I didn't hear anything about a re-release for the 10 year. I would have loved it, but yeah. we see that in IMAX. Yeah, I would have too. Yeah, yeah. as well. Yeah. Uh, and of course, as always, let us know what you think about it. Uh, you know, at filming you in on Twitter and uh, Instagram, and then also on Facebook, you can find us at film me in as well. Uh, you can like our page. We'll be posting updates and uh, things as well on Facebook if you're there. Um, so now it's time for worth it or waste it. Uh, worth it or waste it segment. I sure do. Uh, do you want to go first? No, nope, because I nope. forgot. Disaster artist was just there. We go. Uh, right. So I'll, I'll go first then. Sure. Uh, my worth it or waste it is the Netflix movie How It Ends. Um, oh, I wanted to see that. Yeah. How did it end? Yeah, I'm not gonna tell you how it ends, but I'm gonna tell you something about it. It's a wasted. <laughs> Unfortunately, it's a wasted, but it's not a. It's a wasted only because I was dissatisfied with how it ended. Mm-hmm. If somebody finds the ending satisfying, it will be worth it. Mm. Personally, I was not. I I wanted something else, and I, I think it's satiated. Right, and I think there could have been one minor adjustment that would have made it totally worth it for me but because of that one little lapse it unfortunately has to be a wasted for me do you want me to go next or are you going to forget yours again no I might forget it again right, obviously I've been very forgetful in this podcast listen 10 years is a long time to remember something I guess um, uh, mine is the disaster artist uh, <laughs> the movie came out last year I uh, had gotten it on Redbox right before I paid uh, $100 to own it, uh, but that's a story for another time. Um, I really, really love this movie. Um, I think uh, James Franco did a really great job. I did not, I have not seen The Room in, or The Room, yeah. Mm-hmm. I keep, I get confused with The Room. Uh, I have not seen The Room in its entirety, but of course, thanks to the power of YouTube, I saw all the highlights and the, you're tearing me apart, Lisa. But, uh, James Franco just kills it, and he like be, it's it's uncanny like mm-hmm. how close he is to uh, Tommy Wiseau, and the way they attack it is not so much making fun of him, which is how it very easily could have come off, but kind of like uh, embracing his his love of 
like the the reasons why he wanted to make a movie, a Hollywood movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, it it also touches into like some of the how did he get all this money to make this movie or whatever. Um, and you're not from New Orleans, but you know, let him say what he wants. But I think uh, Seth Rogen was great. I think uh, Dave Franco did a really good job playing. It's the first time I think we've seen both of them play off of each other. Um, and and they do a really good job. Um, I definitely something I recommend, and um, uh, I definitely think it's worth it. Cool. I have not seen it, but I'll check it out. I haven't seen it. Nor am I sure what it's about right now. So my worth it wasted is uh, going to be. Did I just pull Angel? No, I didn't. <laughs> okay, so it is called "I Am a Murderer" or "I Am a Killer." Oh yes, yeah, yeah, yeah it's yeah. a new Netflix original series. Um, and I will say that I watched the first four episodes of the series. I have not seen the whole thing. Um, but I it comes with a, a warning. The production quality is good. Um, and the interviews are good. Basically, it's a documentary piece. They follow somebody who's on death row um, for murder and or, you know, conspiracy to commit murder. Actually, one of them's uh, on death row for uh, murder because of the, um, they call it, like, the accomplice law. He was driving a car, and somebody got out of the car and killed somebody down in Texas. So if you do that, you are just as culpable for the murder as the person who pulled the trigger. Hmm. Um and his story was kind of interesting that he ended up getting taken off of death row and put in life imprisonment because the person who pulled the trigger was um, under 17 at the time and wasn't able to be charged for capital murder and put on death row. But this other guy who was just driving the car was. Mm-hmm. So originally they put him on death row and the other guy only got like 40 years in prison. And um, it was like really messed up. So they uh-huh. ended up giving him a life in prison and, and reducing a sentence from you know, death, death to life. Um, but... Regardless, the series is not what I thought it would be. My warning is if you think that it's going to be like a doc piece where you get to meet monsters and who are like, you know, depraved people, who is what I thought I was going to see, which is interesting to me. I have a morbid fascination with like, you know, death and the like serial killer mind. Um, I'm not crazy. Just this. That's just me. Um, But it's not that. Uh, it's more of a documentary and a piece on the prison system and how these guys got to death row. Uh, and a lot of them are stories about how people who probably shouldn't be on death row got to death row. Okay. And how, like, little loopholes in the wall ended up, like, the guy who was driving the car ends up on death row, whereas the guy who pulled the trigger isn't. And then there's another one where um, another guy was charged with capital murder, but due to the specifics of his case and some evidence being, like kind of fudged with a little bit, mm. he should have never been able, never been eligible to even be charged with a capital murder case. Mm. And, like, he ended up on death row for that. Um, so it's more of a op piece on, like, the prison system. Or it's got, like, those undertones mm. of, like... And, yeah, the, don't get me wrong. They do a really good job with it, and it's super informational and kind of messed up to think about the fact that some of these guys are going to lose their lives because of, like, you know... Just... Just a question: Is it, is it like episodic, or is it like us? Are we following the same people throughout multiple episodes? No, you follow one person one per person episode. Per episode. Okay. So each episode's a new guy, and that's what I said. I haven't finished the series, so there might be a monster hiding in there somewhere. Mm-hmm. But uh, for so far, it's been mostly people who are kind of 
wrong by the system. Yeah, like in some aspects. Yeah. One guy was you know ended up killing a guy who was struggling to take a gun from him. Okay. Um, but when the investigators did the investigation, the guy he ended up killing was like a prominent, well-liked person in the community, and all of a sudden the evidence came up that he was standing across the room and not actually struggling for the gun, which is what allowed it to be a capital murder case. Whereas if the guy was struggling for the gun, it wouldn't have been a okay. capital murder case. So like these guys end up on death row in like these kind of messed up situations. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting watch for sure, but it just wasn't what I was expecting. So are you going to keep watching it or? Yeah, I'm going to finish. I'm going to finish the series. So worth it? Yeah, it's worth it. All right. Uh, but not as worth it as I thought. Let me know if you find a monster because I I'm in, interested from that. That's what I thought it was when mm-hmm. I first saw I mean, it too. Oh yeah, absolutely. So yeah. like, I think that kind of. Because there's a there's a lot of presence. There is one. There is one. Okay, so there is one monster in the show, but the episode isn't about him. The episode's about his friend who ended up being there and also ended up on death row. Okay. Like so, the one monster, this one kid, uh, chopped up three people in a in a house, and the other guy who was with him is the one that the episode's about because he ended up on death row. Wow. So. Okay. Yeah. Is the monsters we just don't and follow. I, and but, I get. And I get. Which why. I wish it was more about the monsters because when you go and talk to the dude. Mm. who like actually chopped these people up he's like kind of cold about it like very crazy yeah I mean I understand why you don't lean too much into it because it could be seen as glorifying but you know mm. you know don't pull any punches let's see, let's see which yeah. one yeah I mean I don't know there's plenty of stuff I mean at this point I think that that, that morbid fascination is more mainstream than it ever has been before mm. um so you know go for it yeah I I mean, we're getting more and more desensitized every day, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, yeah, I don't want to glorify it. And I don't think it's glorifying. But it is interesting. But it's interesting to kind of glimpse that kind of weirdness. That, well, it's a it's a different reality. Yeah, because those people don't live on the same plane. Especially when you see yeah. the guy. I forgot about that. And they have a, it's like a shorter interview with the dude who like chopped these people up. But he's more like, he is like, well, you know. I thought that you know, I thought I was the son of the devil when I was a kid, mm. and he talks about when he was a kid, and he used to put live uh, poisonous spiders on himself, and he's like, if one of these bit, if these guys didn't bite me, that must mean I'm the son of the devil, I'm protected by the devil, and the devil wants me to take these people's souls, and he was like, when I was in the house, I knew if we left the house without killing them, that the devil was going to kill us, so he took an axe and chopped them up, <laughs> chopped them up. Uh-huh. and you're like, all right, I, I think this whole, that is, this yeah. whole podcast has come around to the end, because we started with Lizzie Borden chopping people up with yeah. axes, and we're ending up with somebody else chopping people up with axes. Yeah. And but then yeah. right in, in uh, the middle, still, we talked about another psycho killer. Yeah, so. sex about trilogies, wow, we yeah. brought it all back. Yeah. <laughs> um, this has all been not real. Beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And until next time, when we're going to talk about the most interesting topic in the world...